With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 61 of Sports Cards Live. All right, before we get to tonight, I want to thank my guests from last Saturday. We had Karn Rye and Corey Donovan, also known as Yamwax, join me for the Halloween Pokemon special. And I want to thank my guests from last Wednesday, Richard Pollock, professional NHL scout, formerly with the Florida Panthers, uh, also my first cousin. And we had a, an awesome discussion, tons of insight if you are a hockey fan or a hockey card collector. I recommend you check that out. It, it was truly impressive. Uh, just a great show. I had a great time doing it. All right. And coming up, actually, this coming uh, Wednesday and this and next Saturday, no shows are booked. I will be taking, uh, likely taking the week off for the first time in about six or seven months now. So uh, looking forward to that. And, uh, and I also want to mention, so just past the 1400 subscriber mark here on the YouTube channel. So thanks everybody for subscribing. Really appreciate that. I actually downloaded a video or uploaded a video to the YouTube channel earlier today. The first time I've ever uploaded a non-live uh, video and it's only eight minutes long, which is by far a record for me for how short a video can be where I showed off and I I, oh, I, I broke live my, or not live, but I was breaking my uh, my Beckett Industry Summit swag box and uh, got some pretty cool stuff out of there. So check that video out as well if you have not yet done so. All right. Let's see. Any other shout outs I want to give right now? I mean, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I want to mention I was a co-host on Hobby Hotline this morning. That was a lot of fun. Tomorrow night, I'm guest appearing on Because I'm Carlos with, of course, Carlos of the popular YouTube show Because I'm Carlos. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, I missed the crossover last night with tonight's guest and Josh Johnson because Carlos and Carvin went for five and a half hours and I fell asleep with my earbuds in my ear last night listening to them and watching on my phone. But um, anyway, let's get to tonight. We I have with me tonight, yet again, Chris McGill. You know him from House of Jordans. You know him as one of the co-creators of Card Ladder. And you know him as the co-star of the Instagram live show, The Crossover. Let's bring him out. Chris McGill, how are you tonight, my friend? Oh, dude, I'm doing well. I'm cracking up from your intro. Um, Carlos... And uh, and Carvin went for five and a half hours. Um, that I think that's a record. I think that is the record for the longest piece of content in hobby history. Uh, <laughs> might, might be, be mistaken about that, but uh, also want to congratulate you. Approaching fifteen hundred subscribers is pretty amazing. Um, you deserve a week off. <laughs> Thank you, man. I off, bro. You have earned. I think you have definitely earned it. I think you've built a catalog. You've built the most impressive catalog when it comes to the diversity and the high-profile people you've featured on this show in such a short period of time. Um, you know, I'll leave it at that for now. But we'll, we might come back to the theme of building a library of information later. And I just feel like I, one of the questions so many people ask me uh, a lot. And I'm by no means an expert on this question, but people want to know 
where do you get started in the hobby? If you're just new, what are resources available to you? How do you get started? And like the answer to me is immersion. It's the same as if you were learning a new language. The best way to learn it would be to immerse yourself in that language, in that culture. If you could, if you're trying to learn Spanish and you could go to Madrid, you know, that's really the best way to do. You just force yourself to, to adapt. Same thing with the hobby, right? And like when you have a resource like Sports Cars Live, like Cardboard Chronicles, like the great hobby content that's out there, you can immerse yourself in a variety of different perspectives of collectors just by going through your library. And like, so when people ask me that, that's literally what I tell them is go check out these catalogs with interviews of collectors that you can find on YouTube. That's the best way short of actually like physically immersing yourself, digitally immersing yourself. I don't think it gets much better than that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm with you. We are so fortunate right now at this point of the hobby <laughs> in the history of the hobby to have so much content out there it uh it's really you know and that's it's funny man because you know your house of jordan's podcast was one of the first things i found when i was looking for content and it, you know it's not because i was first getting into the hobby or because i was looking for information i was looking for entertainment i was looking for something to do you know and when i'd go for my nightly walks it was like it, it was such a great way to <laughs> Keep me wanting to walk for longer because your original episodes, just like Rodman says right here, were four hours long. And yeah, I, no, that's what I, felt, I felt a little competitive with uh, with uh, Carlos because five and a half hours in Carvin. I mean, like, whoa, you know, that's our territory. When you start going over three to four hours, like, hold on a minute now. That's that's how we used to be. And, you know, it's funny now. Like, I I try to take a jog as regularly as I can. And I used it used to be Slim Pickens. Uh, YouTube used to be Cardboard Chronicles and '90s basketball cards. And when it came to sports card content that covered basketball cards, that was it. That was it. There was some stuff on baseball, uh, nothing else. So like yeah. you, know, you, we we were just hoping and praying that a new episode would come out every week from those guys. Now I have to make tough decisions. Am I going to listen to this? Am I going to listen to this? I have 30 minutes. What am I going to listen to? It's a completely different landscape now. 100% man. I, I remember back when I was listening to House of Jordans. This is before, you know, this is two years ago, basically. And I would savor the episode because I'd go for a 45 minute walk. So one episode would last me a week, basically, like four good nights of being out there and, you know, huffing around the neighborhood. And uh, and if an episode didn't come out, I was like, I was getting mad at you and Brian and uh, Christine. I was like, where are these guys? Let's get another episode. Speaking of your original episodes, I, you know, there's a few cards back when you did your episodes, you guys would like get right into the nitty gritty details of one specific card per episode. And a few of the, all Jordans, I remember you guys did an episode on the high risers. You did a, an episode on uh, what's that card? The uh, it's like, it's like he's standing at the altar at, at the, in Greece at the big um, advantage competitive. You did an episode on that one. You did a couple others. And now whenever I see those cards on eBay, I think to myself, hmm, I should put together a collection of the cards of the Jordans that the House of Jordans talked about in their early episodes, because there's a few of them. And you guys picked some obscure, like high risers. You don't really hear people talking about it. It's not a monster card, but it's really right. cool. It's a cool card. And I remember, I think Christina said in the episode, and I'm drawing back two years, she said, it's so detailed that when you see the high-rise skyscrapers in the background, you can almost see the floors of each. You can see the floors within the building, and that always stuck out stuck out to me as a something that could be a really cool card to own. So I've thought about putting together the House of Jordans 
Jordan collection. I need a full list of what 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 uh, it, what what, it, what what's on that list though. Well, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, I should have just done it and surprised you with it one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, had uh, had somebody done that like contemporaneously, um, it would have been a lot cheaper to do. Yeah. Uh, as at that time a few years ago, I remember our very first episode. We were marveling at a sale of jambalaya. And we were just wondering how it could have been that somebody spent $9,000 on a BGS-9. And we were skeptical that this was a sale really consummated or whatever. And, you know, now you just look back and you're like, oh, my God. I would buy all the copies in the world at that price if I could go back in time right now. That's That'd be a bargain if you could get it for that today. That card is, <laughs> that card is exploded. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So we got some people uh, in the in the audience tonight. Let's say hello to who we have. Hockey, hockey. Thanks to Chris for coming on short notice, allowing Jeremy to bring us another A-list card celebrity. Appreciate that, Hockey 99. Rondell, looking forward to another fast-paced, interesting and informative show to the Hobbies Marathon Man, hobbying from morning hobby hotline to evening. Yep, it's been a busy, busy day for me. Thanks for joining, Rondell. Ziggy, welcome to the show. Good evening to you. Yes, that Bills patch. I'll show that Bills patch again later. It, it, I showed Chris before the show. It's quite spectacular. Frankie, love that's a very that, that's high praise right there, Frankie. Thank you so much. I'm I'm honored to be in the same group as as Chris when you're talking about legends. Joe, looking forward to the show. Two of my favorites. Thanks, Joe. Always great to have you. Tiger Jordan, great to have you as always. Thanks for joining. Dennis, good to see you. Jake, welcome to the show. Everybody, check out Jake's channel, 90s. Oh, check out Jake's BB 90s B ball cards channel. Charles Card. Oh, hey, Charles, haven't seen you for a while. This one's going to be good. Too hobby great. Thanks for joining, Charles. Good to see you. Legion, as always, great to see you. Oh, we got more comments coming in. Ziggy says, I missed the old House of Jordan show with the Brian, Christina, and Chris. Will that come back? I mean, uh, we were talking earlier. Chris says he barely has time to record any uh, any of those anymore. Yeah, so. it, the thing was, man, uh, I used to, and it's 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 embarrassing, honestly. But I used to it used to take me six to eight hours to prepare for that show, and I made scripts. Uh, well, I made an outline, a very detailed outline, and and, and then it was six to eight hours of, like immediate preparation. But like throughout the week, I kept a running notepad file in my phone of ideas of, of hobby topics. And like, it would, it would really, I would have to be like in group chats. These ideas would have to hit me. I'd have to write it down. And I would like <clears throat> synthesize it all, find data to see if my intuition were right or wrong. And then the post-production itself too, was like a six to eight hour thing as well. And like all of a sudden, you know, so that it, it's, it's, it's like a day's worth of work. And it, it, to give an idea of like how busy it can be in the hobby um, as a law student, which uh, takes is a lot of work uh, to be a law student. I had time to do House of Jordans. As a researcher in the hobby, I don't, um, which is sad, which is really sad. But maybe we can bring it back more informally. I think that might be cool, but it just wouldn't be the same. You know, it just, it, it, it was just the, the shows, the thing that made the show pretty good to me was, was the level of effort that went into front end and back end. And it just, I don't know. The, the time just doesn't exist anymore to do it right now. Maybe I need to be more deliberate and make the time to do it. I don't know. You know what, man? There's only so many hours in the day. Your your the need the, the demand on your time has been refocused elsewhere. You have other things going on. And let's face it, back then your 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 podcast was was necessary. It was required because there wasn't much else out there to listen to. 
but now True. there's many other options. So it's almost like, you know, not to say I wouldn't welcome it back, but you know, it served its purpose. It helped launch you to what you're doing now. And uh, so, you know, it, come bring it back maybe once every so often just for posterity's sake, but you know, union. yeah, union. things are busy. Great, great, great point, Jeremy. Uh, there is a lot of great content out there right now. The void no longer exists. Um, and exactly. in their podcast, YouTube, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I, I, I think the hobby content landscape will do okay with just the intermittent uh, House of Jordans episode from here on yeah. out. And not to mention, you still do the crossover every Friday night. It's a True. different show. It's, you know, Christina is usually on the couch beside you. You hear her, but you don't see her. You know, she's That's there. She you know she's there. But, yeah, but, but, yeah. It's okay, man. It, it, it's good the way it is. Christina says, and I don't know what that Doric columns. I don't know what that is. That's the name of the competitive advantage episode. Ah, episode okay. there you two. Go. It was because she was she she went to great lengths to describe the two Doric columns that are ah. uh, featured on that card. Got it, got it. The other thing about House of Jordans, you know, you mentioned that uh, you know Carlos beat your record uh, last night, or or you know became long <laughs> like that. But the difference is. I don't the Carlos and Carvin last night, they weren't scripted. They weren't planned. Carlos does his episodes very, you know, it's like he he knows we're going to have content, but he doesn't necessarily plan it. I think he has a couple talking points and then he lets it go naturally where it's going to go. And right. who, who'd have thunk they could have squeezed out five and a half hours last night, but they did. Speaking of hours, Joe says, let's go for four hours tonight. Unfortunately, Chris has work to do, so we won't get to four tonight, Joe, but we'll All squeeze right, him for We'll squeeze them for as long as we can. And I have no after hours episode planned right now. And I know that will come as a disappointment to Paul Cashman, for example. But so we'll see. We'll squeeze as much as we can out of Chris. And when we're done, if I still have gas in the tank, I'll either come back myself or I'll look for volunteers from the audience tonight. If anyone wants to join me, maybe we can do it that way as well. Want to welcome Michael Petkus to the show. Thank you for joining and saying hello, Jeremy Pringle. Good to see you. Shareholder, welcome. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. Good to see you. Lots of comments. Dave Jones, good evening to you. Rodman says, what? Chris, what happened to the goatee? Yeah, you had it last night, man. Look, 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 when you're going on Sports Cards Live, the standard is slightly different, okay? And it was, you know, uh, it, it, it was a big decision. I said, I'm coming on Sports Cards Live. I'm cleaning up. <laughs> going with a clean look. Jeremy's my twin, right? So I don't want to let let that die either. So, you know, I, I had to step it up for today. I'm glad you know. We, we do look like brothers right now with the uh, the shaven heads. My buddy, Matt Fox in the house. Great to see you, buddy. Great to see you. Thanks for joining. Canner Collects. Canner Collects. Lady, oh, where is it? Where is it? There it is. Lady Golfers, today at my course in Northern Michigan. Not ready to tune in for a couple hours. Well, you might have more time on your hands. 80s go 80 golfers on my course in Northern Michigan. Ready to tune it. Ready to tune it. That's what I thought. Yam Wax. Corey, great to see you, buddy. Great to see you. Corey was my guest. Follow Corey on Instagram at Yamwax if you do not yet. Rodman says we need HOG pod to come back. Yeah. So we are a few minutes behind in the comments here, Chris. Duncan Chino, good evening to you. Is Chris <laughs> still dropping his cards or no? What what's the story there? Oh, so you know, I was I was showing you this box before we came on air, right? I, I have 750 cards to grade, okay? And I've, I've been sleeving them all. You know, I take the microfiber and I make sure I get the dust off and the fingerprints off if possible. And then they all get put into this box. And, uh, you know, but you, sometimes I like to 
relax and um, prepare my cards in different settings. And so in the ultimate act of laziness, I tried to just take a whole pile of cards like this and oh, I dropped a stack. And um, when I dropped them, they were in penny sleeves uh, <sighs> and not in top loaders. And so I damaged uh, probably the corner of 10 to 15 uh, Trey Young uh, prism cards. Most of them were luck of the lottery uh, base prism cards, which as PSA 10s, you know, command maybe around 100 bucks, I think, maybe more. So it was a bitter pill to swallow. But um, at least I was able to get a little bit of value out of them by having a ridiculous story to tell on the crossover about how I just, uh, with the combination of laziness, lack of care, uh, and uh, perhaps greed, uh, all yeah. culminated in me just absolutely ruining the chance of grading about 15 valuable cards. Hey man, it sounds like it could have been worse if the, you know, the, I know there's <laughs> could be more, some cards of, of higher value than that. So could have been worse, but never a happy day. This is what I get for, for missing the crossover last night. Cause I was again, in, engrossed in Carlos and carbon last night, which again, five and a half hours. And I did fall asleep uh, mid mid show. Uh, all right, let's keep on going through here. Uh, Mark says, Chris, one of the nicest guys in the hobby. Can't disagree with that. Adams, crossover makes up for it. Yes, it does. Good, make up for good. no more house or Jordan. Adam says, as a 2020 law grad myself, I don't know how you did it, Chris, but I'm glad you did. I am, I, you know, I'm glad he did too, because as I've told Chris, and I probably mentioned on this show back when I started it in April, May, House of Jordans, uh, Cardboard Chronicle, uh, even a couple of the big channels like PSA Collector, Sports Card Investor, those are the ones that I, I saw first and they were inspiring to me to start this channel. So, I, you know, it's, you know, I spread that around because it's true. And, and I'm thankful for that because I enjoyed House of Jordans, man. And as you know, Chris, I got into Jordan cards and I think that's why I, I, I sought it out. I sought it out in the first place. You know, I wanted to fill my time, but I was into Jordan cards and, uh, and you helped me out along the way. So I, I still thank you for that. Christina, I'm working at my desk beside him. Yes, when I, I get it. Tom Newman, welcome to the show. Big, big pimps, right? Oh, not now during crossovers. Got it, got it. Thank you. Yam says, Chris, I'm putting a 2008 Topps Joe Biden rookie card request to card ladder now. Probably, oh, it might, be, uh, might be too late to invest in that one, but, but I will, I'm making a note now to do it. Yeah, and I think it's probably a card that needs to be in there at this point. Right. Paul says my my favorite part last night was Carlos trying to wind down at three at the three hour mark. Right, Carlos trying to wind down. You know, there's at least an hour more to go when he tries to wind to wind down. Alex Fonville, welcome to the show. Finally caught one live. That's awesome. Great to have you uh, with us tonight, Alex. Yamwax, the goatee was a look though. Yeah, I I, I think Chris clean cut it. You look good too. You look good too. <laughs> Ziggy no wants to remind everybody, 58 watching, tip the host with a thumbs up for the algorithm thingy. Thank you, Ziggy. Much appreciated. Alex says, Chris, thoughts on how the LeBron Wade Mello trio card plays out long-term. Why don't you take that one? Yeah, uh, definitely not qualified to opine on that topic, but I can color the discussion with a little bit of insight. Um, I know that Adam Lefko uh, really likes that card. And he made one of the great pieces of Instagram hobby content about that card. And I think if you go to his Lefko's cards Instagram page, um, you can see the video he made. Uh, he thinks that card has a lot going for it. Um, it. The pictures are like when you actually look at the pictures of the three superstars depicted on that card, they're, they're classic. 
and the tidbits that the backside gives you are great. It's pretty tough to grade. And it captures one of the most important draft classes ever. And there's three very different stories that uh, happened over the last 17 years when you look at the players on that card. So I think that there's a lot of intrigue to that card. Uh, but in terms of like the for- forecasting the market for it, I just I don't know. I don't know about that one. But but I do think it's a it's a cool card. And, and Adam Lefko like got me pretty pumped on the card. So if you so haven't Chris, seen that, check that out. Fill fill me in. Which card are we talking about? So it's I, a 2003. I see yeah, the player. Yep. And, and it's a triplicate. Right. So you, you have three. You, you got LeBron. Uh, you've got Mello and you've got D Wade on the same card. Um, autos logo, logo man, autos. What is it? It's just a base card, oh, uh, just okay. base RC, but they command a premium, um, especially in a high grade. I, I'm pretty sure it goes for a couple grand, uh, when you start getting into the gem mint category. So, really cool card. Uh, but, uh, you know, who knows? It's, it's not one that I collect, but uh, I could see why people do collect it. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. So a couple more comments here before we move into another topic. Uh, Jason Pringle says it makes me cry when I drop a card, as it should. I mean, car, we love our cards. You drop your kid, you cry. You drop your card, you cry. It makes sense to me. Don't go dropping your kids. Don't be doing that. Hockey 99 says, Chris, to create a new law niche, sports card law. That's pretty, you know, uh, Paul Lesko, who's kind of the the legal commentary in the hobby, uh, could could partner up with you on that, Chris. He was a guest on this show several months ago now. Interesting Paul stuff. Was, he was a great guest. He preceded me on my first my my cherished first appearance on this show. Uh, Paul has more than um, filled in the sports card law niche. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter if you don't. The guy is hilarious. He's a Project 2020 collector too, which is really funny uh, to hear his takes on it. Definitely, uh, Paul has that covered. Yeah, check out if you don't follow him or I, I, I'd have to check what episode he was on with me, but it was in the late teens, early 20s, I believe. And uh, it was an awesome episode because we covered all the different legal, well, at the time, the legal cases that were going on. Uh, and he, he he knows his stuff, and he keeps on top of it. It's very cool. Great to have a guy like that in the hobby that that is willing to share the knowledge. I like this. Yamwax says, Christina, I enjoy your peanut gallery comments on the crossover. A welcome addition to the show. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you. It, it adds a little color. Adds a little color. Uh, Mr. LAGN, Chris, have you seen or purchased merchandise from Luca's official website? Good. Uh, I have seen it uh, secondhand on social media posts. And if I'm not mistaken, it was either his official website or a website that he was officially associated with that was selling autographed pictures. Um, but that's the extent of my familiarity with that topic. I wonder why, why wh- that's a curious question. Um, why, why do you want to know? Feel free to yeah. post it up there. Let, let's uh, add some context to that. Feel free. Yam Wax says that draft class should get its own Last Dance style documentary someday. That would make a lot of sense to me, actually. And I like this from Paul. You can you can tell your kids to walk it off. Your card's not so much. Well <laughs> put. Well put. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, he's right though. He's right. You know, <laughs> your your kids will heal. Your cards will be forever damaged and the grade will be downgraded. So, uh, you know, hopefully your kid will will heal. Okay, enough of that. 
let's let's move into another topic, Chris. So, you know, this was sort of a I'll say this was somewhat of an unplanned episode, but having experience with Chris, I've been on I've been on his uh uh what what was the what were you calling the one where you're doing your interviews again? Uh, conversations with Chris. You were one of the Conversa- first I was up yeah, I believe up. I was episode number five on conversations with Chris. You've been on this show at least once, maybe twice. I, I'm not even sure. Maybe just the one time so far. Episode 24. I missed I giving you the I missed giving you episode 23 by one, which would right. have been very appropriate for a, for a Jordan collector. So we were chatting. We have a few things we want to talk about. Um, so Chris, I think let's start with uh, let's start with the basketball and soccer quick boom and bust discussion that, that you raised earlier. I mean, you obviously have your eyes on card values probably more than anybody does right now. And you're not on, you don't only have your eyes on card values, you have your eyes on sales, completed and verified sales on eBay. And you, for the card ladder database, you guys go as far as screening out sales that may that that you feel based on your experience are not appropriate or may not get paid for or maybe people trying to play games with data because that's and and in my opinion i think that adds value to the data set that you're building because you guys are scrutinizing it which is data should be scrutinized i believe data should be scrutinized but that's not what we're, we're really going to get into i just wanted to you know you are looking at this stuff all the time so you had the you had the comment to me earlier today, you know, that basketball and soccer, we've seen this, this, this a quick rise in modern basketball. And then the season ended, the championship was awarded, and we've seen the cards kind of come back down to earth somewhat, some cards, not all. And then you mentioned we've seen it with vintage basketball as well. And you know, what's next? Is it football or what? In any event, I want you to just sort of Share your thoughts. What have you seen? And, you know, what what do you feel? Because I know how I I know how I see the card cycles going. I've been watching it for decades. So I have an idea of when cards are going to go up and down, generally speaking, uh, in relation to a, the season. When does the season start? When does the season when does the, the rush for the playoffs start? And when the playoffs end, what happens at all those various points? I've I've shared this these thoughts of mine with you over the past few months. What have you seen? Take us through your thoughts. Lots of things to think about there. So if Lameem James has a great meme uh, on this topic and the meme shows the Grim Reaper and the Grim Reaper uh, has walked into a room that was the basketball base prison PSA 10 market and there's just blood everywhere in the room. And then the next room is uh, the soccer market. And the Grim Reaper has already visited that room. And there's blood everywhere in that room. And then the third room, I think it was maybe vintage basketball or something. One, one of the other cards that experienced a, a parabolic uh, increase and then drop off. And then there's blood all over the place in that room. And then the Grim Reaper, like the next door that he's knocking on, no offense to the great collectors of this stuff, is Pokemon. And so the the thinking here is that uh, and it's it's exaggerated, right? But like it, the meme sums it up. We have had these moments of booms and busts that have happened in 2020, and it just hopped from one segment of the hobby to the next. 
And uh, it's it's um, and you can see it happen in content creators, too, because content creators are almost always like ahead of that curve or they're right on top of it as it's happening. So that's why it's important to, like, stay up to date with content creators. Uh, so we've seen it happen. Um, but the conversation gets distorted because while we have seen um, in some instances cards 5x in a month and then wipe out much of those gains in the next month, uh, if you take a longer term view, uh, you could pretty much just put your thumb over that part of the graph and you still will see a pretty linear slope. Uh, if you just kind of squint really hard and don't look at that little blip where everything just like five X and then came back down really quickly. And that holds true for, uh, you know, let's use the prism base market as an example. So while that market went absolutely crazy in August um, and then it retreated like the Luca prism base PSA 10, we can take that card as an example. Uh, it was, um, it was a it was a leap of faith to believe that card could ever eclipse a thousand dollars. People were looking at the pop reports. People were looking at sort of the state of the economy, and they were thinking to themselves, "This is a card that, like, maybe one day, maybe could reach a thousand dollars if a lot of stuff breaks Luca's way." Well, uh, in early August, Luca plays the Bucks. They beat the Bucks in one of their last regular season uh, bubble games. He has a phenomenal game, and before you know it, that card. Uh, hits $2,000. Um, and so at that point in time, you know, all bets are off as to what the ceiling could be on that card. And since then the card has retreated to right now it's between 13 and $1,400. And so, you know, one perspective on that is, Oh my God, the card has absolutely plummeted. It was worth $2,000. Now it's 13 to $1,400. Um, I've had some people point out to me, like if that type of correction happened in the stock market, it wouldn't be called a correction. It would be called an absolute crash and uh, shareholder lawsuits would be soon to follow. Uh, but we aren't in the stock market. And the other thing to keep, the, and the, the point that I want to make is that the other perspective is, yeah, but guess what? If you zoom out and you look six months ago, we couldn't have, we weren't, uh, it, it, it was it was hard to believe that the card would ever be worth $1,000. And now it's regularly trading for 1300 to 1400 So it, you know, the, 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 the time horizon really, really matters. Uh, when we look at this stuff, I remember when the Luca Prism based PSA 10 was $75 going into the 2019 season, right? And I, I only kept one, my one relic uh, of, of when I probably had like 10 of those. I kept one. I, I gave one to because um, uh, I, I was an intern or a, a summer associate at a law firm last summer or two summers ago now. And I, an office mate, I had an office mate and he had to put up with me for two months. So as a as a gift to him, I gave him a Luca Prison Base uh, BGS 9.5, which was worth fifty dollars at the time or forty. Uh, and then this past summer in August, when I saw the card go over a thousand dollars, I sent him a screenshot of it, and he was like, "Wow, this is really cool." He goes like, "I'm he goes I'm never gonna sell this." He's like, "This is a really cool investment." He said that right, like he's not a collector. But his immediate thought was like, "This is uh, this is a really interesting uh, change of events here." And rather than, and I was like, "Dude, if you want to sell that card, it it would make me more than happy to see you sell it and like buy a surfboard because he likes to surf, like and do something that you would love to do." And he's like, "No, he's like, this is I I see this as like a cool investment now, and I'm going cool. to keep this card." I was like, "Okay, okay, cool." So all right, so so that that's like that's a piece of commentary from me is that like let's remember the time horizon 
Uh, what are we let looking me, at? Are we just looking at let, the peak or what? Let me just jump in with a comment there. Cause I know, I know you have so much information up there. You, you got a lot to say. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I'm just going to have to jump in when I, when I have something to add, but I just want to say, you know, um, I bought my Luca prison base in at the national in 2019 for 40 us dollars. When it was at 600, I was ecstatic. I'm thinking, wow, I'm a genius. 15 X. That's great. You know, Whoa, look, look at me, look at me, mom. Right. And, uh, and then, and then it, then it went up again, 1200, 14, 16, 18, 2000 bucks. I'm like, Whoa. And then you're like, okay, this is too crazy, but I'm happy to be riding the wave. Now it's down to that 13, 14, 12, $1,300 level. I still feel like a champion when it comes to that card because I got it for 40 bucks. It's now still worth 1200. So when you talked about, if you put your thumb over that part of the graph, you're still going to see the trend line going up. And I think we're still going to see it for a lot of cards. Even, you know, we, you mentioned to me earlier, vintage basketball. The vintage stuff and i you know i watch it i have some of it so i've seen these cards go from say two thousand to fifteen thousand down to nine thousand but two to nine is still a big gain and i've been saying this all along on this show right through the summer that i believe the market the hobby is stronger than it's ever been the foundation has been raised higher so that's why we're seeing and you see i see people using graphs all the time and they're card ladder graphs often and they're putting a little floor where they're saying like this is kind of the new floor and that makes a lot of sense to me although you know we never know for sure but based on where we are today makes a lot of sense so while we are while we are seeing the the, the quick boom i wouldn't necessarily call it a bust i'd call it a a retraction back down to uh, back down a certain amount of points but not back down to where it was before. Cards are still way more valuable than they were in March of 2020. Uh, so that was my jump in. While I'm while I'm going, let's just get through a couple comments here, Chris. I'll try not to get us off on a different topic yet, but we'll just, uh, a couple other things. Uh, my buddy Jay-Z, welcome to the show, Jay-Z. Great to see you as always, brother. The card collector, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Uh, here we go. There's the answer. He was just wondering since, he collect, since you collect Luca, so fair question. I, there is an in in the the studio here the setup here we do have we got that from American Airlines Center when we were there uh in January so we there is that we do have at least one piece of Luca memorabilia yes yes um here's a question from Ziggy fair question he wants to know uh do you guys include golden auction sales data in your data set we do um and uh golden has a very outsized role as a leading auction house in the hobby. And they, um, whether it's uh, Ken appearing on Fox Business Network um, to talk about the hobby, uh, whether it's ESPN headlines that have highlighted some of the historic auctions that he's done. Um, he, he is a guy who puts a huge spotlight on the hobby through his auctions and through his auction house. And therefore it's a very important auction house and some very important sales happen um, through him. And it's important to us. We like to have those really fun cards in the database. Um, you know, the Mike Trout Super Fractor, um, LeBron Exquisite RPAs, uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we love that. We, we want to have those cards. Um, you know, the Mickey Mantle, 52 Mantle. Like we have it in all grades um, and, and we're able to like come up with a projected value for the 
grades that don't sell that much. So we we have to uh, use Golden's data set quite a bit. Um, and it's difficult to use uh, because he doesn't publish the date um, when an item sells. So as you go back through his database, you have to hope and pray that the name of the auction itself um, contains, because that's how he categorizes them as like the great October auction and things like that. And then like sometimes the date will be featured and if it is, then we can use it. Um, and so uh, recently uh, he brokered what I believe to my knowledge is the highest sale ever of a 1986 Fleer wax box. Um, and so, and that was in his most recent auction. And so we included that data point cause we, that's one of the boxes we track. That's one of those like really high profile items. And that box is currently number one on the ladder right now because the sale that he brokered was uh, such a staggering increase from the previous sale. And but th- it's tough with that th- with those boxes because those boxes are not all even; they're not all equal. So th- they were never factory sealed. So it it it's possible that the packs have been tampered or removed. So when BBCE authenticates them, they will go through and they'll say, "Look, you know, one pack in this box has the Michael Jordan rookie showing on the top." They'll look at like the sticker, if you can see the sticker on the back, and they can predict the collation with some level of certainty just by looking at the cards that are showing through the wrapper. Um, but like that's a great example of a card from Golden. I actually just the other day I, I went through about 60 cards from the most recent Golden auction and imported them into our database. So like we have a, a good percentage of the cards that sell on Golden are, are the type of card, are one of the classes of cards that we do track for sure. All right. Good. So, so yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Mr. LAGN says, when sending in cards for grading, do you guys use any magnification equipment to find it? For- yes, I use. I take to every card show with me my trusty loop and a flashlight, and the flashlight allows you to see creases and wrinkles and bends in cards. And I'll show you guys a trick when you're looking at a card with a flashlight. You don't necessarily want to do this straight on. You want to come at it from the top like this so that you can cast a shadow. You're looking for shadows. So hold it like this right down that way and look for the shadows. And if you see one, that's likely. And that's why one of my biggest pet peeves in the hobby, Chris, is when someone puts a picture up on Facebook and says, what what do you think this will grade? Or why did this only get a four? Or, oh my God, PSA or Beckett ripped me off on my grade. It's like, guys, you don't know how to look at cards, unfortunately. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying there's yeah. way, you know, it's tough to see things with the naked eye, especially if you're looking at them on your monitor. But let's keep on going. But yes, we magnification, a flashlight. Again, a flashlight, really critical because when you're at a card show or in an LCS, yeah, it's 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 tough. Or in your own house, it's tough to use your, your just your simple room light to pick up all the imperfections that could be in a card. So definitely use those tools. Okay, next question. I want a quick answer on this from you, Chris, a real quick one. Says, uh, I'm seeing a lot of 2021 products selling for a lot less than last year's product. Do you think the basketball market will go down because of the new rookie class coming on the 18th? Yes. Good, there you go. Let's keep it Let's keep it quick. Uh, Mark DeMera says, Card Ladder is the Kelly Blue Book of cards. Spend the money, it's worth it. There you go. And I'm I'm a user as well, and I would uh, I would endorse it as well myself. Ziggy Jumpson says, yes, examine with light. A, a no-brainer, really, hockey. I like this. My girlfriend laughs at me 
uh, when she sees me putting a card under light with a magnifying glass. And then Ziggy says, well, show her the price difference between a nine and a 10. I like it. I like it. Joe says, I've been using my not selling muscle more and more recently. Yeah, selling, selling, I find once you start it, it's almost addictive in a way, but I don't like starting to sell. I, I, I like to buy. I, I, but, you know, if I buy cards for the intention of, you know, to, 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 to fund my personal collection, it's much easier. Uh, Chris, are you seeing volume down or up over the year, overall uh, sales? What do you say to that, okay. Chris? So um, there's, there's two ways to talk about this. There's volume and then there's uh, absolute dollars spent. And um, one of the thing, one of the it, when, when you go to the card letter dashboard, one of the things you have is um, we display a graph that shows how much absolute dollars uh, were spent on all the cards in our system, which is approaching five thousand now. It was five hundred when I first came on the show. Uh, now it's approaching five thousand, and and so we track how many, how much absolute dollars were spent on cards the previous day. Yesterday was the lowest day in the ladder's history. And uh, that is especially interesting because um, we have more cards now <laughs> than we did. You know, we, we add uh, 30 to 50 a day. So <clears throat> uh, it was uh, about $244,000 worth of cards across all almost 5,000 sold yesterday. That's the lowest day we've ever had. Um, very, very low relative to, I think the average is about half a million. But so. About yeah. the, I mean, this election has been uh, keeping people's attention for three or four days now. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Yeah, I do. I think uh, sports cards are uh, one of life's great distractions. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you only have space, intellectual space, hours in a day. You only have so much you can allocate to your distractions. And I think politics has been a very captivating distraction for the last week. I think that does play a role. And uh, however, we have a very unprecedented moment in sports right now. Uh, we've never had a November where, you know, NFL has been the only sport um, to carry the entertainment, the, the sports entertainment world. And it's going to be that way, it looks like, until late December. Uh, you know, th that's that's a very weird place to be. Usually basketball is starting to get really interesting uh, there's, there's lots of different avenues of sports that traditionally are captivating us right now. And, and the NFL has to carry that whole load and, you know, very few people can go and spectate those games in person. So when you, when, when the NFL is the only thing that's like trying to keep uh, sports viewership alive among the big four sports, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it, I think there's just, there's not a big energy for just sports right now as we sort of patiently wait for basketball to come back. And it's just weird. It's, it'll probably never happen again. It's just a very weird moment. And it's, and it's the polar opposite of you. You look at two months ago when you had the world series, the NBA finals and the NFL and hockey playoffs coming at you every day of the week for weeks there and that was like the total opposite then sports enthusiasm was just unbelievable like you you had great sports content every day so like i think that's a thing too is like uh we just don't have sports right now and i think there's some loose correlation with sports cards uh and enthusiasm for sports um so when i think we do get the nba back uh and some of the other leagues resume I, I think that's going to play some causal role in increasing the amount of money being spent on sports cards also. 
Yeah, we, we were spoiled there for a while, for sure. And I'll add that usually in this at this time, the NHL is in full swing and we're getting a, a ton of awesome hockey entertainment. We're going to talk a bit more about hockey cards later, which I know is something you want to chat about, which is a of a great uh, pleasure for <laughs> me to get to, to get to entertain. So we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes here, I'm sure. Um, oh, where well, I want to say hi to Colin Murray. Welcome to the show, Colin. Colin was my guest on a previous After Hours episode. Um Jay, welcome to the show. Talking about Golden Auctions, the most expensive soccer card, the 58 Pele Rookie, and I won't even say it, PSA 9, sold by them last week for $295,000. Yeah, that is, that's a lot of money for a soccer card, but hey, I, I shouldn't say for a soccer card, that's a lot of money for a sports card, um, And uh, but hey, well-deserved. I mean, it's Pele. Everyone's heard of Pele, so makes sense to me yeah tom that's crazy but you know it's kind of falls in line it kind of falls in line i, I would think for sure uh s fleming big use of card ladder please keep adding soccer there you go ziggy great info chris and jeremy thank you for the answers you are welcome ziggy dustin in the house check out the personal finance dad on youtube and also i forgot to mention check out ziggy knows sports cards daily on youtube as well uh Dustin, welcome, buddy. Welcome. Dustin's been on my show. I've been on Dustin's show. It's fun talking to fellow content creators because I think we have that. We have two big things in common, the hobby and creating content. And uh, it goes a long way between us. So that's that's great. Um, shareholder asks a question here, which I think we could have a whole episode on. What other Michael Jordan 90s inserts do you think that's still considered undervalued and have a potential to explode anytime soon? Chris, come up with one or two if, you, if something pops in your mind. And before you do, I will say I'm going to take a shot at it, and I'm going to say the ones that I mentioned earlier in the episode that were featured on the early House of Jordans episodes, the high risers, the competitive advantage. And there's one more that's escaping my mind right now that was in that kind of lower tier, you know, where you can pick up a PSA 9 for like under 200 bucks kind of thing. And it's just not jumping out yeah. at me. Chris, what do you think? They may have been records collection. Uh, I've sung the praises of that card um, for years and years. I just think it's a really cool card. Uh, while you were talking there, um, here I was able—I scrambled to pick up a few that are in my PC because uh, what better card to promote than one that I already own? Yeah. Uh, so let's go with this one. This is Fleer Zone, um, Michael Jordan Fleer Zone, uh, 1997. This is a PSA nine. Tough grade, tough card to grade. Um, is that a hoop? Very, Sorry, is that Fleer? Did you say Fleer? This Fleer. is Fleer. Okay. I see I it, it, logo it, there. Okay, it, it has a hoops. It has a very hoops feel to it. Yeah, um, but if I can zoom in enough, you can see the Fleer '97, '98 there. Great year of basketball cards in general is Fleer. I picked this card up from the great Burbank Sports Cards in Los Angeles. If I ever walk into a card shop and there's a high-grade Michael Jordan insert, I'm buying it. It's so rare. It, it never happens. So if it's in there, it's not sitting for long. I, I, I believe that card cost me a couple hundred bucks or maybe two or three hundred. Um, th th it's tough because they don't surface that much in a good grade, but that's a really, really cool card. Uh, very nice in hand. Uh, and then same thing for this guy. Um this is the uh, this is scoring kings, but it's 95, 96 scoring kings. This card can still be had for a few hundred bucks. It and it was never super popular. Same thing with Flare Zone. That card was never super popular either. But when you ask the question, 
I, the way I interpreted the question was kind of like, what's some affordable stuff that are Jordan inserts, basically? Like, there's two of them. But, like, this is the one that you just really can never go wrong with, um, in my opinion. It's the Scoring Kings, uh, Michael Jordan, 1993, the original Scoring Kings. It's the that closest. Card, that, that card has shot up in value, along with many, but it's no longer a low a lower-tier card. It's become oh, it's a, a big, big card. Yeah, it has. So like PSA 10s are going to be in the eight to $10,000 range, which is crazy yeah. to think about. And yeah. a PSA 9 is going to be around 1200 to 1500 And one might wonder, wow, that's a big gap. But it's because those cards, like many 90s cards, are very, very difficult to grade. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a take. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to share a take on that card, Chris. When I first got into Jordan cards, which was about two years ago, um, aside from owning his rookie, which I've had for many years, uh, so 90s Jordans, I, I was told probably by you that, that that Scoring Kings is the kind of the card that every, I probably heard on your podcast, if you're coming in, it's the card everybody starts with. I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't remember it and I saw it and I was under impressed with it. I, I wasn't, it's not, so I don't have it. I of course right. wish I got one two years ago because I'd be well ahead on it right now, but you know, at the same time, it's not a card I love the looks of, so I'm okay not owning it. You know, collect what you like, and you know, as we like to say. But uh, okay, let's go through a few more comments here. Uh, Hockey ninety nine says Chris talking hockey cards. I don't even know how to react. Yes, we're gonna get there. We are gonna get there, and he wants to do it too, which I love. I do. I do. I want to say hi to my my very good friend in the hobby, Darcy Ravik. Darcy, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Actually, I'll mention quickly. So, Darcy, uh, I just brokered a deal for between Darcy and the great MK M, what MK Sports Cards on Instagram. The Doc, uh, yes, yes. We got we got Mike. Uh, we got him a uh, well. You know, I'll, I better leave it for Mike to for Michael to show on his Instagram. But it's a Starquest Gold. I'll tell you that much. So. Darcy managed Ooh, to find him. We got it over to we got it over to good old MK Sports Cards. What do we have here? Rodman says, with NBA coming back in December, can we experience a first December without a dip? I mean, I think I think it's, we're going to experience the opposite. Now that baskets announced that the season's going to start again, that's what the hobby, that's what the basketball hobby needs because now the excitement is reborn. Every player is in play again. Every player is in play. And that's you only get that really once a year, and that's leading into a season. So now's you know if you're astute, if you're savvy, you're gonna you're gonna know how to work with that. Uh, Rodman says 1998 Topps Legacies is a beautiful cheap card. So there's another one. And uh, Jake, who of course is the go-to expert in 90s basketball cards, says 93 94 Ultra Scoring Kings is a must-own in my opinion for an MJ or 90s basketball card collector. And again. I'm going to be the exception to that rule, but I came in late to the nineties basketball collecting. So Christopher Noel, welcome to the show. Yo, what's up? Christina ladder. I like that. Christina ladder. <laughs> very well, very well. Tops legacy is not cheap anymore. PSA 10 2k plus. Okay. And for the first time we are at the bottom of the comments. So thank you everybody for your comments. As you know, if you're a regular watcher of this show, it would be nothing without the comments from all of you. So thank you for that. I'll take this time a second here just to ask everybody, you know, and welcome you all if it's your first time at Sports Cards Live. Thanks to Chris for bringing more viewers to the channel. I always appreciate that from all of my guests. If you are not yet a subscriber of this channel, I ask you to please subscribe, hit the thumbs up, all the, the bell, I think there's a bell, ring the bell, whatever it is. 
Um, I'd greatly appreciate it. Trying to grow, trying to build the channel and, you know, kind of share the library of historical episodes I have with, with the greater hobby. This is episode 61. Uh, aside from episode number one, I've had a guest on pretty much all of them, I believe. Some we've had multiple guests and Chris will attest to it. So please, uh, please do subscribe and come back next time. And I will also say the episodes are long. But and, and I know there's a lot of competition out there for content, but the nice thing is that YouTube will remember where you left off. And I also I also um, take the audio from each episode and turn it into podcast format. So if you're not a YouTuber and you want to listen, on, you can find the show on all the podcast formats as well. Chris, you're taking notes. I know you got stuff to say. We have a few more comments in, but why don't you uh, jump in with what's uh, what's biting on your tongue there? Yeah. A very interesting post was put on Instagram today. I don't remember what question provoked me to write this down, but I did. Uh, it's by the an account called Chasing Exquisite 03, I think. Um, I shared it to my story on Instagram as well. You can see it there. It's a Google Trends um, analysis of how frequently the term basketball cards was searched, that specific phrase, basketball cards, how frequently it was searched on Google. And uh, there were some unsurprising parts. Um, it was being searched less. This, this graph reveals like during 2006 through 2015 than it was in 2016 and then 2017 and 2018. It keeps going up and up. But the interesting thing was that uh, we have not, According to this graph, uh, we are not searching the phrase basketball cards as much right now, even as it was being searched in the year 2004. And we think about uh, the growth of the hobby and stuff like that and like how popular are cards. And um, I think there's probably way more people using Google now than we're using Google in 2004. So that's going to make the 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 amount of searches in 2004 really even more dramatic, like relative to today. And also when I, um, so like on card ladder, one of the things we do is we construct all time sales histories and on a number of cards that have sales histories that go back to 2004, there was like a, a boom in 2004 that I, that on eBay, um, lots of cards and, and not like LeBron or anything like that, but like, like Albert Pujols cards were selling well in 2004. Um, Tiger Woods, but that's there's that's different. Why his cards crashed a little bit? Uh, <laughs> lots of lots of different cards as I as I build these sales histories and I look and I and like 2004, something happened in 2004. And in fact, uh, with the exception of 2008, which was like a weird period because of the financial crisis, but every four years, 2004, skip 2008. 2012, 2016, and now 2020, there have been historic booms. Uh, 2016 saw Michael Jordan, 1986, there was this big like 80s and 70s vintage boom, like Roberto Clemente, like lots of cards. S some cards have still not matched the all-time high that they set in 2016. Uh the Jordan Fleer eclipsed it, but like it took a long time. There have been, and then there was like boom, there's a boom in 2012. Like there have been these booms that, that happen every four years with the exception of 2008. Fascinating stuff. Uh, and I just think, uh, you know, people always are wanting to know what inning are we in, in the hobby? I don't think of it as an inning. I think of it, I don't, because an inning 
implies that this that there is a termination point in the game and there definitely isn't for me but um i but if if there's a there's a piece of data that speaks to that topic is that people still are not searching the phrase basketball cards in google they still are not searching it as much as they were 16 years ago so how about that yeah so a couple of things come to mind from 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 that uh wonderful diatribe first one is you know, your involvement in Card Ladder provides you with a, a visual or a into these this data. And the fact that you are so accessible and you're putting yourself out there, you do your crossover with Josh on Friday nights, you're doing my show right now, you're, you know, you're out there talking to the hobby. And it's because you're a hobbyist, really, you know, you're you're one of us. Um it's it's a it's it's an it's an amazing access information that we all have that you just shared that with us. So now, if you're listening, you're marking 2024 on your calendar, and you're going to be preparing for that in 2022 and 2023, maybe even right now. That's the first thing. The second thing: 2004, LeBron James had a year in the league. Maybe that sparked. Now we have the next guy since Michael Jordan to be of that caliber. Maybe that was a bit of a spark in 2004 that helped that helped with it. The third thing you mentioned the you know this inning talk and Ken Golden kind of coined it originally, I believe, not on my show, but he did mention it when he was my guest back in August. And when you said you know an inning does imply a termination point, it does, but it also doesn't. Especially in baseball, they play 162 games in a row, like you know back to back, day to day. So you could have inning one to nine, and then you could just kind of reset and start over again. I'll just think about that a little bit because that can maybe add that to your your thought process because I do I can see it that way I, I think we can look at it that way as well couple of comments here uh Jay wants on any f1 racing cards on card ladder so no but uh I, we may have an f1 racing box uh, it, uh Christina is our researcher of boxes she loves to add boxes uh she may have added one but uh, if you have a recommendation, um, feel free to DM it to me or get it to me somewhere or another. I'd be happy to get some F1 cards in there. I think that'd be awesome. And if you don't yet follow Chris on Instagram, I just threw up on the ticker below his Instagram handle at Chris underscore H-O-J. Be sure to check out CardLadder at CardLadder.com. And uh, even though he doesn't post to it as much as he used to, his YouTube channel with uh, the House of Jordans team is, as it says right there, House of Jordans. So check all those out. Uh, Shareholder throws out a couple other nice 90s uh, Jordan cards. Hooperstars, Steel Slammin', Scoring Magnet, Holographics, beautiful six cards, which I'd say still undervalued. So some good advice there, I think. I'm not really familiar. I'm familiar with some of them, but Hooperstars and Holographics. But in any event, thank you for throwing those out there, Shareholder. Jake says sports cards live. Oh, is the Joe Rogan podcast of the sports cards hobby second to none? Thanks, Jake, man. That's so high praise, buddy. High praise. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Eric Stefano. Great. Good stuff, guys. Thank you, Eric. Sean Rob, welcome to the show. Do you find the slowdown in secondary NBA market is more dramatic for high priced or low priced cards? For example, $300 cards versus $2 cards. Now, I don't know that Chris is tracking $2 cards but you're certainly tracking $300 cards and $2,000 cards. Maybe, uh, can you speak to that for a couple seconds? Yeah, <clears throat> very interesting question uh, because the data can be interpreted in a number of different ways. So how about this? Yesterday, uh, Trey Young, Prism Purple Wave PSA 9, set a new all-time high. 
and we did a ladder headline about it and we made a social media post about it. Um, and it, it the all time high was like just north of 400 bucks. So here's a card of Trey Young. The guy hasn't played in however many months. Uh, all time high. Okay. Like, wow. Uh, compare that to his prison based PSA 10, which is a slightly more valuable card. Uh, it would have set its all time high sometime in late August, I believe. And now it's down maybe 20%. That's just a guess, but I just kind of like off the top of my head, I'm, I bet that's ballpark where it is. Um, so why am I making this comparison? So you had a more rare card, uh, which is the purple wave set an all time high. Whereas the card that's more frequently transacted is not setting all time highs. Uh, and so some people will look at that data set and they will think rare cards are still going up. More heavily transacted cards are not. And there is a grain of truth to that. But the other side of that coin is that heavily transacted cards, whether it's $2 or whatever, uh, they you, you those are like a roller coaster ride. And you're going to feel every bump along the way because they just sell so frequently. They And they react and uh, people react to them instantly. Uh, whereas more rare cards, they might not sell once during a downturn in the market. And they might not have sold during a peak in the market either. So you you just have like this blank space where they didn't sell. Um, and so it's, so instead, uh, you know, that's why we put predicted values on more rare cards and we tie the prediction. It, we're not uh, coming up with a prediction. The, the uh, Like subjectively, the prediction is based on historically correlated multipliers. So like you would look and but you would probably say, even though that purple wave PSA 9 just set a record high, it probably was worth more when the card that sells every day was selling more. So like, that's a very long winded way of me saying that I think a player's market is pretty strongly correlated across the board. If it's graded and in a known condition, um, then I think they all tend to move pretty much consistently. And I, and, and that's a, that assumption is a big part of what enables predicted value to work. Now, with that said, uh, we have seen a deviation uh, from that trend, which uh, makes me worry about how useful predictive value will be over the next few months. But um, we talked about Golden. So Golden just sold a BGS 9.5 LeBron James gold, Topps Chrome gold refractor. Uh, and it sold for, uh, it, the amount that it sold for, um, was, it overshot its prediction by like a hundred thousand dollars. So in other words, we under predicted it. Why did that happen? That happened because the card that was used to predict it, um, which it was the top Chrome refractor, which is a high end card by itself. It's like a 50 grand card. That card has come down recently. The Topps Chrome base LeBron has also come down. Those two cards moved together, but the super high end the gold chrome refractor LeBron BGS 9.5 did not come down. <laughs> it didn't. It it actually like slightly outsold the previous auction from two months ago. So there is this one class of cards that right now seems to be outpacing everything else. And it's the super duper high end. Um, it just seems to be moving at its own speed right now. Uh, and I think if, if the next question might be why, and I think part of the reason why is because there's uh, funds, uh, funds that are trying to acquire these cars to then sell shares. I think those are um, bidding up 
these cards. It's just like you just drop like sharks into the you just drop several sharks into the bitter pool for some of these cards. And so they're just their market is just on a different trajectory right now. I don't think it will always be that way. I think they will return. I think you will eventually see everything come back to moving in harmony. But right now, the super duper high end is just moving in a different direction than everything else. And the super duper high end is often the rare. It's often the rarest of the rare, right? And, you know, it's like we saw the commodity cards, like the base prisms, even the base prism silvers. They're somewhat a commodity card. We saw them spike huge. And now they've come back a little bit or some in some cases a lot. And it's simply because they're not rare or they're they're not rare, but they're they're out. There's plenty of them out there, I should say. There's more than enough to satisfy the demand, especially when you see people literally with stacks of them, with a stack of Luca base prism PSA 10s or a stack of Zions. There's people that have 30, 40, 50 of these things. So they're not rare. And the rare will always win out. That's just the, that's just the rule. That's like, that's a rule that I don't think will ever be um, accepted in the hobby. Uh, Jake makes a, 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 an observation every four years, every election year. I wonder if there is some sort of correlation leading up to elections. Very interesting. And I, I wonder that too, if the political climate uh, has a, has a, a a stake in it there. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else we have here. I want to get through some comments and we're going to move on to another topic. Um, so uh, here's a question from a card ladder subscriber, Mr. LAGN. Uh, one question under submissions, how many upvotes does a card need to be placed on the ladder or explain the process of how cards are selected to go on the ladder? Take that Chris, but try, try to make it quick. Cause we're going to run out of time here, dude. <laughs> Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, terrific question. Uh, one of my favorite features of Card Ladder is the fact that there is a submissions portal that anybody can access at any time uh, that helps us determine what cards get added. Um, if a card gets 20 or more upvotes, like it's then it's like, okay, we're late. We definitely need to add this card. Um, but otherwise, as cards get upvoted, they just as as our researchers have the opportunity to go through the submissions list, we just add them and we just add them from the top down. So you know, uh, it was maybe three or four days ago. I was plowing through submissions. I added like the top twelve cards from the submissions list. I think um, other days, I might only have a chance to get to three or four um, because the submissions list is not the only source that we look to for cards to be added. It's the most important source, but sometimes there's an important card that we think should be on everybody's radar or that just is newsworthy in the hobby or we just need it for whatever reason. And then we add those cards too. Um, so, but the submissions list, like that is the way to go. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, not that many people avail themselves of it. So relative to the number of people who are using the site, uh, you only need to get together 20 of you guys to put a card to the top of that list. And I know of several Facebook groups that do that and more power to them. That's uh, that's completely that's that's how our democracy works. So, yeah. Right. yeah so yeah, that's, it's, that's it's kind of cool that there's Facebook groups that are actually doing this and working together. I think that's uh, that's a good sign for for card ladder. Amish Dave Archer. Welcome to the show, my man. Check out his channel by the same name. 
Carlos, welcome to the show. Good evening to you and everybody. Of course, check out Carlos's channel. Chris has been a guest on it. He had Carvin, formerly of Upper Deck, and Panini, currently of uh, GTS Distribution, on his channel. Put me to sleep last night, probably at the four-hour mark of a five-and-a-half-hour episode. It didn't put me to sleep. I was tired. I fell asleep with, them, uh, with the earpods in my ear. Check that out. And I'm also going to take this chance just to say, guys, November 21st and 22nd is the Virtual Sport Card Expo. It's a partnership between the Toronto Expo and the Chicago Spectacular, formerly the Chicago Sun-Times show. It would be great to see all of you guys there. I'm going to throw up right now on a banner. There's the website, Sport Card Expo. Check it out. I believe admission is free. I will be set up at this show. Lots of hobby players are going to be there. Lots of collectors. The last one was in June. I was set up as a vendor. Had a great time. I want to encourage everybody to come to this thing. Virtual shows, whether we get physical ones back in the near future or not, virtual shows are here to stay. I do believe it. So get in early, understand how the platform works, give it a shot, and I think you'll be surprised. It was an awesome show last time. I'm expecting great things this time. It's basically a whole bunch of people streaming for two straight days and showing cards, and it it works. I can tell you it works. I had a very successful show uh, back in June at the uh, at the virtual expo. Wanted to throw that out there. I like this. Hockey Hawk says, Carlos and Chris should have a 10-hour episode. Chris doesn't have 10 hours to spare, but uh, but boy, that would happen. be epic. It could happen. That would, that would be epic for sure. Joe says, waking up to scarcity is a natural evolution for collectors coming into the hobby. Yes, I, I that's a great point, Joe. It really is. It's And especially if you came into the hobby in the summer, you weren't necessarily clued into that fact because commodity cards were spiking and some of them deservedly so some of them you know are cards that it's like everybody should have i'm a hockey guy first and foremost as many of you know and i believe every hockey collector should have a wayne gretzky rookie card in their collection it is not a rare card but it is super important and i think everyone should have one same with the Sidney crosby young guns and if you want to go across the other sports i think everybody if I don't mean everybody because these cards are expensive now, but like a LeBron James Topps Chrome rookie, for example, or his regular Topps rookie. These are cards that if you're a if you're a collector and you collect the sport and you're not just collecting a single team or a single player, and if you are, that's fine. Your approach is your approach. But some cards I think are necessary in collections where you are not honing in on a specific player or team. If you want to have the sport covered, you want to document its history, some are necessary. Just my thoughts. Sorry, a little bit of a rant there. Chris wants to know from you, Chris, is card ladder hiring? <laughs> um, no, but uh, stay in touch. There you go. Growing and growing at a steady pace, I see. Controlled growth is very good growth, I would have to say. Um, another question is card ladder or will card ladder be at the, at the sport card expo, which, Oh man, we should, we should be, um, we, we don't have plans to be, but, uh, I'm definitely, I wrote down sportscardexpo.com. I wrote down November 21st. I'm going to look into it. It is. I'll just, I'll just tell you one more time. It's sport card expo. No S is in it. Sportcardexpo.com. And Chris, if you're interested, I can easily put you in touch with Steve Menzi, who is running the show and he could be watching right now. For all I know, he's, he's a, he's a viewer of the show. Uh, he's been on with me before and a great guy and puts on a great event. So 
It'd be great. Uh, yeah, it, it's there were over there were I think over five thousand registrants for the for the June uh, version, and I think of those registrants, like forty six hundred showed up, and so that, that's a big audience. It's a big audience, so might be worthwhile. Trevor Leconte, welcome to the show, Mister Davy. How are you doing, my friend? Good to see you. Thanks for joining. I had the pleasure of having supper with Dave at the last uh, national in 2019, one of the uh, one of the evenings. Steve Elmore, welcome to you as always. And Carlos pipes in and says, 10 hours would be a challenge. Come on, Car uh, come on, Carlos, not for you. The Carvin episode made me realize I need an intermission, background, and process. Yes, you probably do. I don't know how you did that, man. But hey, when you have a good conversation, why stop? Why stop? Chris, you've been taking some notes. You got some stuff to say. Let's hear it. I do, man. Uh, so Joe, uh, who's a is a great. Um, I love Joe. Makes great comments, and the one that you highlighted, scarcity is a natural evolution in the hobby, is a very insightful one. Um, if you know, if 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 we're trying to think about what direction uh, will markets move in, um, and what cards are going to become desired over the longer term. And we want to, you know, we know as hobbyists that just certain cards have certain appeal. They're just intrinsically appealing. Like when you, Jeremy, went and got Platinum Portraits by the Michael Jordan card, like, they, you know, I it, I don't think there there was a science to it. I think uh, not to, you know, uh, put words into your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you just, you, I've seen like when you, I've seen you show off the card on Instagram and stuff. And I think there was just like a, you you saw something special in that card. Uh, there was, it was, it was like, uh, as a, as a long time collector, someone who's been in this thing much with, with much deeper roots than me and with such a rich history, you know, you, you have the taste and the ability to identify great cards and you identified that one. But if we want to take a slightly different approach and say, is there, is there a science to this? Can we anticipate what cards might become popular? Uh, well, we saw a lot of people come into the hobby this year, a lot, and I can introspect on the topic of evolving in the hobby because I came back in the summer of 2016 and I know how the evolute, my evolution process worked and how I sort of graduated along the way to wanting the more rare and the more iconic and the more highly desired cards. And I think that a lot of people who came back in 2020 uh, maybe weren't quite like me. I came in with Jordans, but a lot of people came in with modern players but they there's there's a comfort in commodity cards. They sell every day. You can liquidate them very quickly, whether it's the 1986 Fleer Jordan Rookie or the 2018 Luca Prism Base PSA 10. These cards sell. You know, if you are ever desperate to sell it, you can throw it up on eBay for a hundred bucks less than comps and it will sell like that. And so there's a comfort in being able to wheel and deal with those cards. Like you said, they were spiking. And it's just not hard to know what those cards are worth. They're just worth, they're, they're just, you know, it's it's easy. But as people get more immersed in the hobby, as they get more experience in the hobby, uh, suddenly as you as your eBay save searches list increases and, you know, you start uh, getting more experience, suddenly you don't want a card that you can go on eBay and there's 500 copies of it on eBay. Uh, that that just stops appealing to you as much. There's, there is something, the word Joe used was natural. There is something natural about getting to a point where I want a card that 
my buddy who just got into the hobby cannot go on eBay and buy it whenever he wants to buy it. I, I want a card that is tough to get and that is cool and that I can show off and that, hey, guess what? Nobody else has this card or very few other people have this card or the collectors that I look up to are the only other people who have this card. So you you see like that and that evolution taking place and it speaks to an earlier question that we talked about, which is like our $2 cards or our $300 cards moving more and in which direction. And But what you are seeing is you're seeing more rare parallels, uh, especially in the super duper high end. Uh, but you're seeing more rare parallels pick up steam and do quite well. And as a general observation, I think it's because a lot of the new people who came into the hobby are now going through the same evolution that many of us have gone through, which was getting more and more interested in the more rare cards. 100%, man. We, we come into the hobby and we go to what we see a lot of because you it's repetition and it becomes familiar to you and you you aren't as intimidated by it. But once you kind of get past that first phase of being a collector, I think you start to and you 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 come in more. You come in maybe as an investor, but you have the collector tendencies. Maybe you do have the gene, and now you start to look for things that are more interesting, rarer, and you do just like. Just like uh, Joe said, you end up, it's almost like you acquire a taste for it and you want to expand your collection and you, you want to expand the scope of your collection into cards that are not just those ones that you can find on eBay all the time. It's like our, our friend in common, Adam says, Adam, uh, the real 27 guy from the basketball, let's give a shout out to the basketball card fanatic magazine. If anyone out there is not aware of it, Check out Adam's magazine. You can follow him on Instagram at the real 27 guy. And uh, I, I have it printed off, but I don't I have it up in my room. So I don't have it down here to show you guys. I've shown it before. But anyway, quick shout out for Adam and that. And Adam, you know, he is a guy who wants cards that are not common. He has no interest in the commodity cards, no interest in the Michael Jordan. I won't say no interest, but he has more. He has more interest in a really rare card that you might only see on eBay two or three times a year versus, for example, the Jordan 86 Fleer Rookie that you're going to see on eBay 150 times a day. So, but this, you, you, you evolve to that after being in the hobby for a little while. I believe you do. I mean, I, it's a general, it's general to say everybody does, but I believe that that's what I've seen people, how I've seen them evolve in terms of their approach into the hobby. For people who've come in recently, that is for sure too, because we've seen so many new people this year, as you, as you just said. Okay. I, I see. It's funny, Chris, you, you, you're such a good articulator and you have, you, you know, I, I'm not sure if you're about to talk, so I'm kind of slowing down, giving you room, but you're not jumping in, which is very rare that you're not jumping in. So no, no, that's no, cool. I completely agree with what you said. Um, it's, <laughs> it's right on. Uh, and, and like the, one of the takeaways is that, uh, when you see an influx of new people into the hobby, which we might not see for a while, there was a comment earlier about uh, the lack of enthusiasm for the forthcoming NBA draft class and how that's going to affect enthusiasm for the hobby. A, I think it's, I think the hobby needs a break from hyped prospects. We have two very hyped prospects uh, from 2018 draft class and 2019 draft class. We don't need another one. We're fine. Um, but, uh, so we need this pause, but, but so, and we, so we might not see a huge influx of people unless there's like some un, 
predictable, uh, you know, external thing that happens again, like COVID or something. Oh, and by the way, uh, I, so I can just put my mark in the history books here. Um, everybody rightly attributes COVID with um, helping a lot of people come back to the hobby. And it's true. But you know what else was happening right at that same time that was like the very first boom that the boom that even preceded the prison based PSA 10 boom, it was Michael Jordan and it was the last dance documentary. And I don't, and when I see articles being written by mainstream sources, they're not uh, acknowledging that part of the story, which was how important the last dance was and the phenomenal unprecedented things that happened in the Michael Jordan sports card market during that window of time. And, uh, but COVID also had its own, uh, enormous impact too. Um, and like one of the things I think about is like during the last dance, the Michael Jordan rookie, uh, 86 Fleur PSA 10, it like almost got to a hundred thousand dollars. That was crazy. It sold 12 times or 11 times in May. That like is four times how frequently it usually sells. I thought for sure the Michael Jordan market wouldn't get back to those peaks for several years. I sat on the sidelines waiting for prices to come back down on a couple of cards that I wanted. It didn't. It, it, there was a there was a small blip, and in June and July, uh, things were calm. Uh, the Fleer came back down to like sixty five k for like the PSA ten. Okay, now it has sold twice for over one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. It might, and and that's just like one insight into the Michael Jordan market as a whole. That, and that, once for and once for over four hundred thousand dollars. The SGC and gold. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. I was completely wrong. I I thought there there was no way that the Michael Jordan market would be able to sustain what happened during the last dance. But for many segments, uh, it, it is actually several multiples higher than what it was during the last dance. Um, when you look at like rare inserts and stuff like that. So like, uh, I just wanted to put that footnote in history that yeah. uh, let us well, not forget the influence of the last dance bringing many people back to the hobby. Right. And there is another event that occurred even before the last dance that I think created a little bit more of a of, of, of hype for the hobby. And it was the unfortunate in incident of Kobe Bryant's death because he died and all of a sudden his card started to go up in value substantially. We, I mean, I remember it very clearly. It was right around the whole Pat Mahomes Super Bowl thing too, right? These guys had cards blow up. So there was a few things that happened in 2020 that brought attention to cards Kobe Bryant died. People want people who aren't card collectors want to. They, they want to connect with him, so they go buy his card. You know, I think we we saw that too. So all these things that happened between Kobe Bryant's unfortunate passing, uh, the Last Dance, and then COVID, and then the way the basketball season was canceled, the way it was resurrected, the way they got into the bubble, the way they played. It was great basketball. I mean, a lot of things came into play, which is why I think the fact that they've announced the next season is a really good thing because we don't want to lose like we've lost some momentum but we but if you look at it you know from a from a bird's eye view kind of at a macro from a macro perspective we're we're not going to lose that that uh that that momentum because i think that with the season starting you're going to see again like i said earlier every player is back in play every team the fans of every team the fans of every player have hope again that that player is going to have a great season that that team might make a might make a run to the playoffs type of thing. So Jumping. true, and the fact that it's December twenty second is 
uh, on the one hand, kind of unfair to the teams that played all the way till the end of the bubble because it's going to be the shortest offseason in history. But uh, on the other hand, it's very good because it puts the NBA back on its normal schedule. And and the NBA, I believe the reasoning for that was because they just experienced having their finals compete against baseball and football. And they were like, no, thank you. We'll take May and June and let that be just dedicated to our finals. I think they so, – so they are accelerating the season. It's going to be a shortened season of 72 games. And by the way, like th- this is tentative still. Like it's, it's a very high likelihood of happening because the players – agreed on the December 22nd start date, but they still have to negotiate parts of the CBA. But um, but assuming that it does start on December 22nd, which looks like it will, and then the season will wrap up in early summer, which it looks like it will, that will put the NBA back on its normal schedule, which is good for the hobby because then we don't have to throw out history. We can now once more look to history. And like Rodman had a very insightful comment to uh, when he said, this might be the first December ever where we don't see a dip in basketball cards. Uh, and that's for a number of reasons. Uh, uh, December is a holiday buying time. And so one of the theories is sports card money gets allocated away during December. Uh, another reason is that the NBA season starts to enter into a, a slight lull as we sort of get to the dog days of the season. Uh, and then also huge NBA product prism comes out in late November or early December. And so a lot of money that might otherwise go to singles is going to wax. So like, there's lots of factors that contribute to the December dip. None of them with the exception of it being a holiday spending season will be present this year. So it's going to be very difficult to like rely on history to try and anticipate what's going to happen this December. But after this December, we will be able to, I think, rely on historical patterns once more as the NBA season gets back on schedule. Yeah, no, it makes good sense. The one thing I'll say about the the teams that uh, played to the end of the bubble is that these are elite athletes. I, I have to think that a couple months off is enough time for their bodies to recover and get back out there. So I'm not feeling bad for these guys at all. I think they're I think if anyone can do it, it's them. Okay, let's get to some comments because we've had a bunch come in. Um, oh, I want to mention also with respect to sport, the Sport Card Expo coming up, uh, episode fifty-seven of this show, I had both of the both the principals of the of the, ex, of the expo on the show, kind of talking about it. So if anyone's interested, episode number fifty-seven, the Sports Cards Live, was with Steve Menzi and Mitch Adelstein. Mitch owns the Chicago Spectacular. Steve owns the Sport Card Expo, which is out of Toronto, and they were both my guests, and we talked all about the uh, the upcoming show. So if you want more information. Do feel free to check that out. Okay, Amish Dave Archer and Carlos are planning a two-day marathon stream. I think that's a joke, but I think now you guys have to do it. Okay, and I look forward to to, to, to kind of signing in and out of it as, as you're going through it. Steve Elmore says, Chris, really enjoy the crossover. Great podcast, my friend. Yes, definitely entertaining show for sure. Footy Cards, welcome to the show. Says, good day, boys. The Chromioptic guy says a big hello to Card Ladder too. Maybe something you you know what that means. Great. Well, welcome to the show, Footy. Uh, Ricardo, welcome. Says, do you think CBC grading will make some inroads in grading? So I haven't heard of CBC grading. Are we? Have you heard of that, Chris? Or is he thinking CSG? Or is there a yeah. company I'm not even aware of? So the great Frankie 3500 has been informing me um, on a new a potential new entrant. I think they're called CGC. And they uh, formerly have specialized in, among other things, uh, comic books. I don't so, know if that's 
talking about? Yeah, so I, I that's what I was thinking. So it's actually called CSG, which is a <laughs> subsidiary, I believe, or a sister co to CGC, which is the uh, the comic book grading and gaming card grading business. Uh, Ricardo wants to know, and if that's what you're talking about, Ricardo, I think it is. I do think they will make inroads into grading. I certainly do think they will because they have a they have a brand behind them that's been around for a long time. They're trusted in their niches already, which should transfer to sports cards. And they've recently hired some uh, key graders or grader away from Beckett Grading Services. So I think that they will make inroads. Uh, and it might take a couple of years for them, for their values to reflect those made that are similar to, say, PSA or BGS. But I think that they will get there. Uh, Hockey says, I came back into the hobby in March after a 25-year absence and quickly got caught up in hype YouTube content and wasted a lot of money. By June, my game improved. See? There's an example of what we were talking about, Chris. It's good to it's good to know that someone out there is is kind of you know being able to navigate all the I don't want to call it noise because it's not noise. All the information and all the content and all the cards to find your way. Uh, that's impressive. So good for you, hockey hockey ninety nine. Vegas finds seven seven seven. Good evening, folks. Good evening to you. And guys, I want to. This is funny because. I almost want to make a special shout out for Vegas Find 777 because I watch a lot of content. <clears throat> I enjoy it. But his show, his show, when I first saw it, I got to admit, if you're watching right now, I was like, I don't know about this guy. But then I watched a couple more and I'm like, this is like my favorite channel on YouTube right now. This guy delivers a hilarious, it's hilarious and it's thoughtful. And he's no dummy by any means. Like, and I don't mean to imply he would be. Uh, check out the channel, Vegas Find Seven Seven Seven. Like I said, one of my favorites. Very entertaining. The guy is the guy's hilarious. Just hilarious. I can't wait to meet him in person. Chris, you're taking some notes. I'm going to keep blowing through a few more of these comments. All right. Sure. Sure. Take take those notes. Take those notes. I like this. Chris needs to stop acting like he's not a celebrity. Way too humble. What a turnoff. <laughs> his humility is what endears us to him. I have to say, I have to say when Chris starts getting groupies, then he has become a celebrity. Very fair. Very fair. Okay. couple, I'm just going to scan these quickly guys, and then we'll get to Chris's comments. Cause I know he has much more to say. Well said, Chris, basketball collectors and the market in general, just a second to cool down a bit. Exactly. A second. To, it's almost like take a break, everybody right now. We can do that. Take a break, but get ready. Because as soon as that next basketball season, once the sports networks start talking about it and we start seeing the headlines for the upcoming season, the hype's going to start up again. It will start up again. If you guys have $500 to spend on a card, what would you guys buy? Ruben the Card Collector Sanchez wants to know. I'll leave that to everybody in the comments because that could be, again, that could be a whole episode for sure. I see we do have some comments already. So thanks for guys that are getting in there as well. Uh, here's another comment uh, from Hockey Hockey. The Jack of All Trades documentary got me back into the hobby. Sports Cards Live should get Stu Stone on his show. So the Jack of All Trades is on Netflix, I believe, and it's focused around a guy whose father was like the one of the biggest card shop owners in Toronto, and I've watched it. It's it, it's an interesting documentary. Some people may be disappointed because it's it almost takes on more of a family type of angle versus sports card angle, but still an interesting uh, uh, documentary. And there's footage from card shows in it, which is pretty cool. 
Uh, Adam D says, Chris, can you talk about the strategy of collecting rare cards? Do you hunt a specific card or do you have a running list and pick up what you can when it becomes available? It's an interesting question, Chris. I know this could take a while to answer. We've got like probably 30 more comments for me to look through here. So can you give, can you, I, uh, I'm sorry I keep asking you, but see if you can make this one concise. The guy said uh, strategy. That means I have to take 10 minutes. Noah, let me give an answer. I want to know your answer too. Uh, my approach is to have a list um, and, and not, and also like to be very open-minded about picking up cards when they become available um, you can really find yourself behind the eight ball if you're constantly waiting for that one rare card to come out. And let's say hypothetically, it takes a year for that card to come out and other really cool rare cards came out over the course of the year. And you could have been picking those up uh, over the entirety of my time in the hobby. It has always been better to have money in cards rather than money in a bank account based on appreciation. By the fact that I had money in cards, it allowed me to get grails that I otherwise would not have been able to get because I was able to cash in the equity in cards that were maybe lower on my list, but I still picked them up when it came time to go get the grail and then I sold them. So my approach is to have a list and uh, to pick up great cards that you really love when you can. And then if that grail that's even higher on your list comes up, then you have a tough decision to make. Do you want to cash in your equity and go get it or are you content with what you have? Yeah. Yeah, good approach, man. You know, I, I don't even have an answer for this question because um, there's so many cards that I want that it's really what presents itself as available at that time is what I'm going to get. Yeah. If a card that I really want becomes available and I don't have the money available for it at that time, I'm going to have to, well, I'll find a way. I mean, I'll find a way. I, I'm a I'm a degenerate collector. I'll find a way to get that card, right? But We do. Find ways. We, we, really we find a way. We find a way. And I don't want to have to sell personal collection pieces to get it. But lucky for me, I'm sitting on a, a good load of inventory that is very clearly not personal collection. And if I need to, I can easily raise some funds to, to pick up the card that I want. If that card is $50,000, no, it's it, it's going to take some time. But if the card is under $1,000 or less, it's, you know, it, it's quite uh, attainable with, you know, within however long it takes to liquidate a few cards via eBay or other other methods. But uh, great question, and I think worthy of more time, but we just have so much to cover. But Adam, thanks for, thanks, thanks for throwing that out there. Ziggy makes, makes a good point. He says, hobby was strong before COVID hit. I think 2021 will be great for the hobby. Shed some layers of the winter dip. I think that's well. And hockey jumps in to say, you know, Zion helped a lot as well. I think we we over, kind of overlooked that, but that's a, an astute point to make as well. Uh, Ziggy says about that documentary. Oh, okay. Sorry. More about Zion. So we'll skip through that for now. Um, and I see Christina and the second and second favorite Chris are having some back and forth. So we'll leave that in the comments, but I appreciate the activity. I really, really do guys. Uh, Jeff says, is the Canadian government going to allow the Raptors to play games in Canada? The Blue Jays were not allowed. I do not know the answer to that, but I look forward to finding out for sure. Um, okay. What else? Uh, Carlos, he is, he is going, but at two days it would be okay. They're talking about the two day, uh, the two, <laughs> the two day uh, stream. That would be fun. Okay, guys, I'm I'm seeing all these comments. I love it, guys. Thank you so much. Um, so, oh, Vegas says thank you, sir. Appreciate the kind word. Yeah, guys, the fun. One of the funniest guys that does sports card content. I got I gotta say. I mean, you watch, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just just so funny. I really do enjoy the videos. Um, okay, what is that? Uh, hey. We have Dustin back. I hit like with my elbow. Thanks for pointing that out, Chris. 
I'm not sure what we're pointing out, but uh, thank you so much. Okay. Oh, there we go. Ziggy is asking people to hit the thumbs up again. Only 22 thumbs up, 68 viewers. What do you think, Carlos? Let's tip our host. So I appreciate the support, guys. It does. I think it helps the YouTube algorithm. You hit that thumbs up on the on the YouTube channel. I greatly appreciate it. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do. Helps build things up. Keeps me motivated. Keeps us going. And we really like to keep this going. Okay, Chris, can we talk about hockey cards? Let's do it. Are you Let's ready for it. that? Okay. So you and I were chatting on the phone earlier. And I said, I would love to get your take on uh, what I have seen happen in the small sampling of the vintage hockey market that we're tracking on card ladder. And it's just a sliver into what I'm sure is an extremely robust catalog. But some of the stuff that I see that has been selling over the last few months, and it's maybe the only segment of the market, and we have many segments, it's the only segment that has not retreated, uh, but just continues to go up is vintage hockey and some of the noteworthy sales um, have occurred with both the 1979 OPG and tops Gretzky rookie cards, pretty much across all grades. Uh, you were telling me about the Joe Sakic, um, 89. Sakic? Sakic. I'm okay. I've, I've got the, the Eastern European pronunciation, yeah. right? I, we, uh, but the, of course I would butcher him. Sakic. Sakic. Joe Sackick, yeah, and Joe Sackick. Uh, okay, so, uh, but perhaps you could take the baton and run with it here. But um, I, I am fascinated by what's going on in vintage hockey, especially with the guy who I see selling for all-time highs week after week, which is the great one. What is going on in vintage hockey, my friend? Well, so we did talk about it earlier, so I did have a bit of time to think about it. And I think one of the key things with vintage hockey, Chris, is that it's always lagged behind in terms of values. I think it's it's been undervalued for a very long time. Um, so when you think about the well-known players, you know, Wayne Gretzky obviously is the GOAT. There's, there's no disputing it. If you're going to dispute it, you're just looking for a fight, really. There's really no disputing that Wayne Gretzky is the GOAT. And, you know, the card is not rare by any means, similar to the Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card. But it's finally kind of catching up to where I believe it deserves to be relative to the greats in other sports. And it's still not even really close, you know, it's but it's it's made moves at least. And the Gretzky is the easy one to talk about. So you've got with the Gretzky rookie, you have two versions, the Opeachy, which was distributed in Canada and the Tops, which was distributed in the United States. So there's more Tops copies out there. And. If you look at the population reports, you'll quickly come to realize that the Opeachy card um, being the more being rarer is the more desirable copy. It's the one that most people want. A lot of people kind of ignore the tops version altogether, but that's starting to change as I think it should. Because if you look at the population overall, PSA 10, there's two PSA 10 Opeachies and I think two or three PSA 10 tops cards. That's it. So they're, they're basically out of reach for most people. There's one of each coming up on an upcoming Heritage Auctions, I believe. You're going to see both the Opeachy and the Tops. The Opeachy card last sold for 465000 US a couple of years ago, three or four years ago now. I haven't seen a Tops copy. I'm not familiar with any Tops historical sales. I believe that this Opeachy PSA 10 copy that's about to sell on Heritage, I mean, I could see it going for, you know, 700 to just over a million bucks. I I can see that because the population is so low. It's truly an elite, elite card. 
but it goes beyond just Wayne Gretzky. Mark Messier. I mean, I think a lot, he dated Madonna. If you haven't heard of Mark Messier, uh, you should have. He's an all-time great Ranger, all-time great Edmonton Oiler, won Stanley Cups with Wayne Gretzky. I think he's got six Cups altogether, five at least. Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman is an all-time great for the D- Detroit Red Wings. He's got Stanley Cups. He's now he, he was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning for a few years. Now he's gone back home to Detroit to take over there. Expect big things from Detroit because he's, he's an amazing hockey mind. Mario Lemieux. An all-time great. Up there with, you know, just just a shade below Wayne Gretzky in terms of all-time greatness. And many would argue the all-time great. Um, you know, you but there's Patrick Waugh. An all-time great. I say this word all-time great over and over again. These are legends, you know. And there's more. You can get into the kind of the next level as well of, of players. Al McKinnis, Dale Howardchuck, Ron Francis, Cam Neely, Doug Gilmore, Chris Chelios. The list, Brett Hall. The list goes on and on, and that's just the 80s. So I think what's happening is that people are realizing that these cards are undervalued, especially in high grade. PSA 10s of a lot of these guys I've mentioned were $2,000 or less for so long. Some of them were like five to $700. It, it's quite, it's, it was almost embarrassing, and I just kind of thought it's because the hockey market is so much smaller than the basketball, baseball, football, soccer even now. But I think, you know, <clears throat> what you said earlier is that these cards are the only ones that have not retracted, which is great to hear because they shouldn't be. They're still catching up. And I think that might be a big part of it. You mentioned the Joe Sackick rookie. The Joe Sackick rookie is the la- is from 1989-90. So we'd call it the 1989 year. And it's, the, it's a card that was mass produced under the Opeachy label because Opeachy put out these vending cases at the end. So they they printed thousands of more copies. So it's the only it's the only rookie card that it's the only year for rookie cards where the tops card is actually worth more than the Opeachy. And I was looking earlier today at the populations, the tops PSA ten Joe Sakic. And again, Joe Sakic, I believe he's general manager of the Colorado Avalanche right now. The PSA tens of the tops card, there's only 17 of them. There's been over a thousand graded. Brian Leach is a Hall of Fame defenseman, played for the New York Rangers. His rookie card is also in that set. <clears throat> There's a hundred PSA 10 tops Brian Leach's and like 560 all time all in the total population. That tells me when you compare those two um, gem rates, the the Sackick is minuscule. That's a tough card to grade. So that card, you, you, if you could find one, because again, the pop just went from 16 to 17 in the last few months. You could have got that card for $675. How do I know? Because I was onto this three, four years ago and I was buying up as many as I could find of those 16. I currently, and I'll, full transparency, I, I own two of them. One just sold last week for like $2,300 or $2,400 by PWCC. And now one went up on their vault uh, account for $2,600 or best offer. And I really think $2,600 is still a great deal for that card. Um, and if it's still available at the end of the show, I might make an offer on it. So, you know, that's how much I believe in that particular card. That's like one of my big, big picks. If I had to put a pick out there, that's it. Full transparency. I own two. You want to accuse me of pumping it up? Fine. I don't really care. There's only 16 of these. So it's like that, that's, that's a big card. So within hockey, you've got a lot of low pop cards. The Sackick is just one. You've got other low population PSA 10 cards out there. The Steve Eisenman rookie went from like a $900 card to $3,000 over the last few months. Deservedly so. 
just some examples. So I've given all the examples. Why, again, I think it's because the hockey market is finally starting to catch up and people are realizing there's good value there. So that, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. You're, I see you taking away, you're taking the notes there. I'm interested in, in your thoughts on um, on the diatribe that I just delivered. Well, I want to brag that I know that Patrick Waugh is spelled R-O-Y. I know that. I, in brag. fact, I know many of these names uh, because in the 90s, uh, I was addicted to Sports Center. And I just, Chris Chelios, a lot of these names you mentioned, Mark Messier, Brett Hall, like those guys, I know who they are. And I'm not a hockey spectator. Um, I, the, the reason why I wanted you to talk about it to me and educate me a bit on the, that topic uh, is because um, part of the story of the hobby is that there are many segments of it and they don't, they definitely don't all move in unison. So uh, when one set area of the market is going crazy, another might be in a lull or vice versa. And it just helps all of us uh, when we can learn a little bit more about a segment of the hobby like vintage hockey that has some very important culturally important to hockey history players who have great cards that were part of in a very important era of hockey's history of, of sports card history, eighties and nineties. Uh, and, and then also um, I think vintage hockey uh, is interesting to investors or they should be interested in it, or they should think about it, uh, it precisely because uh, that the, the areas of the hobby that seem to have the most robust markets in my experience are the ones that are firmly entrenched with collectors. Uh, that's one of the great ironies, one of the great secrets to the hobby is that the markets that do very well, the players that do very well, the products that do very well are the ones that have hardcore collectors who appreciate the cards for their intrinsic value. And that's where the, the areas blur um, between investing and collecting. And it, it, it makes the dichotomy a funny one to think about because the real answer to the collector investor dichotomy is that the best cards to invest in are the ones that have the most collectors of them. Uh, like Luka Doncic, I think is a great example. Uh, he was seen maybe as an investment uh, over, you know, the summer of 2019. Uh, but you don't want to be in a market full of investors uh, the, or or market full of flippers that those those will be characterized by people looking to maximize profit and then leave uh, unless they're long-term investors, which is a different breed, which honestly, when you start talking about long-term investors, you might as well just use the word collector. Uh, but when Luca began his sophomore season, uh, suddenly he, the, the collectors uh, came in and started collecting Luca and taking a long-term approach to his market. And that market now is, uh, probably the most vibrant market in the hobby. Okay. So now that I went sort of down this collector investor thing, uh, let me tell you a quote that Josh came up with. Uh, Josh came up with this quote. I have to write it down or else I'll botch it, but I want to run it by you because I love this quote. Um, he said, people do not like sports cards because they are good investments. They are good investments because people like sports cards. 
Uh, I just thought that that sums up the whole damn thing in one sentence. And, and it, because uh, many of us will never ask the question, why do cards have value? We'll simply understand that they go up in value and we, and you don't need to think more philosophically about it. But when it comes like vintage hockey is a great example. I, the first question I have is why, why are these cards becoming more valuable? And then you implicitly answer it when you talk about the Joe Sackick is a pop uh, 17 and a PSA 10 and the gem rate is really difficult. So there's something like specific about that card in particular from that set that makes it tough to grade. You know, uh, the I bet that I bet those Gretzky's are going to go for over a million based on how low the pop is and the rate of growth that we've seen in that card and just how beloved Wayne Gretzky is. So like, you know, I, that quote, I think just sums it up because, uh, you know, it, it really tells why sports cards have such a robust market. Um, and it, and it, and it, and it answers the chicken and the egg question. Sports cards have a robust market because people love cards. That's why you have to, you have to have people who love these items over decades and decades that got this market to where it is now. And why do people love cards? Because of nostalgia, because of the connection that it provides us, the fact that we can now own an athlete. We don't own the human, but we feel like we have a share in that athlete, which is why I think fractional ownership has a shot, will will be a lasting um, segment within our hobby. But we're not going to get into that. We're not going to have time for that tonight, even though we, we thought we would. Um, another thing, I want to mention one thing about, I was what about hockey, and I was watching, I believe it was the... Um, Oh gosh, the uh, comeback card investor. I think that's the. I'm pretty sure comeback card investor, a great channel. And uh, he said he. I think it was him. He was talking. And he said, you know, they were talking about whatever they're talking. Well, hockey is niche. Someone said hockey is niche, and I thought to myself, hockey might be. Hockey might appear to be niche from the greater hobbies perspective, but if you go to the sports card expo in Toronto, where you know physically where it happens in May and November every year. You've got a card show that's about the thir a third the size of the national, still huge, and it's like 90% hockey. And everyone in there is passionate about it. So speaking to the fact that there is a passionate collector base that is always going to be there to kind of pick up the pieces or to buy your cards from you. I've heard people say there's no one, there's no collector group as passionate as they are as hockey card collectors are for a single sport. I might argue because I now pretty... I have a good sort of intimate awareness of the Jordan community and they're very, very passionate. And I love that about them, but the hockey hockey uh, collectorship is extremely passionate. And back to Josh's quote for a second, um, it really underscores the fact that, you know, what I just said, it's nostalgia. And that's what, that's why we like the cards and that's why they're good investments. And that's why they'll al they've always been like that. This is not new. This is not new in 2020. It's been this way for decades and decades. I mean, cards have always gone up in value. That trend line is always going up, you know, beats the S&P for, you know, beats, beats Apple stock, beats Berkshire Hathaway stock and all these sorts of things. Certain cards, of course, but it's, you know, the opportunities are there and, um, yeah, I mean, it's boy, it's it's uh, it's an exciting time, and I think I, I do I do think that hockey ha is finally starting to see some of its uh, potential that it deserves to, and it's not as small of a segment. When when um, eBay told us during the industry summit that for the first time ever, uh, soccer 
became the fourth most transacted sport on eBay. So usurping hockey from that position, I was actually pretty surprised. And I don't think that's going to last. I think I think soccer is, and I know uh, with, with apologies to soccer collectors because I respect the sport. I think it may be more trendy right now to collect soccer cards than hockey. Hockey's been there forever. It's never going away. Soccer, I think, might kind of fall back into number five in due course. But if it doesn't, that's fine too. It might just make those cards cheaper, more affordable for the hockey collector, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Although I'd prefer to see my cards continue to go up in value as they have been. But that's selfish and I'm willing to uh, willing to spread the, the, good, the good word out to everybody. So... Um, okay, uh, I, there's a comment here. Adam says, uh, "Swaggy J." I think he's referring to me there. Let's see the uh, that Josh Allen card. So I'll show it. I'll show it to you guys today because, or right now, I did do a separate video for this. My my only and first ever non live videos on the channel from this morning because I cracked open my Beckett Industry Summit swag box, and the big the logo on Adam's uh, comment there was this Josh Allen piece, which, I mean. I think it's absolutely spectacular. Like it's a one of one. It's the brand is just 2020 Panini. It's the full logo. Like you just, and Josh Allen is like a big deal right now. I'm not a big NFL follower, but I've heard of Josh Allen and I know about the Buffalo Bills. And uh, I think this is a phenomenal card. I really like it. Yeah. So there you go, Adam. Thanks for letting me show that card again. I'm going to run through some comments, Chris. And then we can we can uh, start to wrap up. Um, so I'm going to run through these comments, everybody. I'm back. Uh, they are almost 18 minutes old. So I apologize for the delay, but we've been chatting, if you haven't noticed. So we're going to run through them. If some of them are questions, I'll probably just jump, run by them, unless something I, I do want to address. But let's see. Will basketball cards reach peaks we saw in the bubble in 2021? The answer to that is yes, they will eventually get back there. I guarantee that. I'm not saying when, but they will eventually get back there. They always do. George Vezina rookie is undervalued. Jay is referring to the 1911 C55 George Vezina card. It's to, it's a tobacco card. And uh, George Vezina is, is uh, who the best goaltender of the year trophy is named after. The Vezina trophy is awarded to the best goalie every season. Uh, he's an absolute legend. I saw Red Horner isn't at all expensive either. Well, that's a pretty obscure player to throw out there. I think Red Horner's rookie card is from the uh, 20s or 30s. But uh, hey, hockey, thanks for throwing it out there. Terry, who is a Wayne Gretzky rookie expert because he owns probably over 100 of them by now, says that the Opichu will break a million dollars, just like you said, Chris. And I think he's very right. Hockey 99 says Bobby Orr is greater than Wayne Gretzky is greater than Mario Lemieux. I'd put Bobby Orr on the far right of that. I don't think he's the greatest ever, but I'll admit I never saw him play. He had a very short career. While he's great, um, <clears throat> I, I just don't think he's got the Wayne Gretzky status. Peter Stasny, the second most points in the 80s. Have you heard of Peter Stasny, Chris? I've not. You haven't. Well, you know what? Um, and I got to scroll way back up here. Uh, hockey, hockey 99 is not wrong. Peter Stasny did score the second most points in all of the 80s behind Wayne Gretzky. So an impressive player. One of the first, uh, I think it was from the, the former Czechoslovakia, came over with his two brothers, Anton and uh, Marion, and they all played for the Quebec Nordiques back in the early 80s. Paul says it's not just the Gretzky rookie. High-grade player card, PSA 9s, 82, 83 to 87, 88 are going for six to $800. 
his league leader cards going for over $100. So not just the rookie, but all Gretzky cards have shot up. And that's true because I collect the Gretzky base cards sort of registry thing, and I'm watching those. So definitely, definitely. Fleming says, pop reports on these modern young guns. Way too high for me. I'm sticking with legends, i.e. Mario Lemieux. Watch pop reports on the modern stars. I agree with that. We're talking about rarity. We're talking about commodity cards. The one thing about them, though, is that young guns are very popular and hockey collectors want them for their sets, especially those who are not going to be able to afford the cup or the SP Authentics, where you're getting $1,000 and up for graded copies type of thing. <clears throat> Leach was a great offensive defenseman, sucked in his own end, gets a lot of legs because he was American. Yeah, we that, I can see that for sure. Global sports card investor, good day there to you, you legend. Good to have you here with us. Uh, Ziggy has another question, but man, like that's an episode on its own. Where would you draw the line on long-term investor collector one season, three season? Yeah. I mean, for me, I draw the line at like 10 years for me. If you're, if you're in this thing long-term you're in for, I'm a 10 year guy, but you know, there's kind of a middle ground there. I'd say, you know, zero to one year is short-term for me. And then 10 years plus is long-term. Everything between one and 10 years is kind of a gray zone for myself. I think I like to think we are all hybrids of investors and collectors. I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. Dexflow, this is in fact live. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Fleming says, great point on collector versus investor. Same happened to soccer. A bunch of investors jumped in with no understanding of soccer and drove up prices to absurd levels. And now we're seeing where we, where we were with that. Tom Newman affirms, yes, baby, we are live. Yeah, Chris, you guys make bald cool. I might shave my head tomorrow. That'd be too funny. Too funny. That's hilarious. Good stuff. Oh, damn. I thought this was a replay. Nice. Best interviewer in the business. Thank you, Dex. Much appreciated. What else we got here? I want to run through these. I like to get to the end, Chris. I feel like I have I've accomplished something when we get to the end. Huh. Wait until people start getting Jeremy and Chris tattoos. Oh my gosh, please no, please no. Sports card, uh, Zig, sports at Ziggy. If I had unlimited funds, I would be a collector only. Yeah, that would be nice for sure. Fleming says, Yes, that was all investors and hype, and virtually no collectors. I now think the market is stable and will grow with collectors. It just got out of hand. So, I, I think you're talking about soccer. I think what we're talking about here is a stabilization. You know, we're seeing. We're seeing the volatility. We're seeing the real, the, the craziness of a of a ripe market, similar to what we've seen in Pokemon over the last month or so. Things have gone so crazy. How can they possibly sustain? And while we'd like to hope that they could, we maybe think they will. They won't, and they don't. And then they they just they stabilize, and that's I think what we're somewhat seeing in basketball right now. The Luca example: fifty bucks to two thousand, down to twelve, thirteen hundred, maybe where it should be. Once I shave my head, I'll once I shave my head, I'll do it. Probably just get a tattoo of Chris's face on my face. Oh my gosh. Wow. <clears throat> the first time, Chris, you bring some of these comments to my show. I've never seen comments like this. Do not blame this on me. No, I, I I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I might, but I shouldn't. The real card collect the real hockey collectors are a unique breed unto their own. Speculators from other sports are finally giving it due respect. Yeah, perhaps that's what's happening. Perhaps that's what's happening. Yeah, Ziggy, this card is game-worn, one-of-one, full full logo. I love the card. I love the card. I have no clue what it would be worth. If anyone has any 
any estimates for me on what, what this Josh Allen card might be worth in terms of value? I, I'd really like to get an idea because I have no clue. I don't know if it's a $100 or $5,000. Not a clue. Deck says, heard when the Opeachy goes over a million dollars that will bump up all Gretzky grade prices. Good timing for me. Just got a BVG 8 three days ago. Congratulations on the 8. Uh, the BVGA, great card. Beautiful card. I love the Gretzky rookie, Chris. You know, talking about tattoos, I've I've gone down the road of thinking about getting a ta- you know another tattoo. And if I do, I've, I've looked into a Gretzky rookie card. I'm a Calgary Flames fan, so I don't know how I could put the Edmonton Oilers on my body permanently, but I might be able to make an exception for what I deem to be the most important hockey card there is. Gretzky cast a massive shadow over an entire decade. And that's a that's an astute point by Chris. He overshadowed everybody else. Everybody else. And it was almost unfair. <clears throat> Chris says, when will Ziggy Palfi PSA 10s be worth big bucks? Jeremy, they will never be. But I'm glad that we got to weave Ziggy Palfi into this episode. Chris, that's just an inside joke. We don't need to get into it. And Chris West says, Josh Allen card is worth at least a few hundred Palfi rookies. <laughs> okay. Ziggy Palfi played for the New York Islanders in the uh, 1990s, moved on to a few other teams. He was a great, great goal scorer. I loved watching him weave through op- opposition's defenses on the ice. Okay. We are down at the end of the comments. Chris, what what more might you have to say, my friend? Because I know you've got notes. I do have notes. Um uh, here is a sober comment, a sobering comment, uh, and a hat tip to you. Um, so when we were talking about Joe Sackick, um, you mentioned, uh, hey, you know, I'm high on this card. I also have two of them. Uh, and so full disclosure, I think, is like the words that you used. Uh, very, uh, that's a great habit that I think all of us content creators ought to adopt and use uh, for the benefit of the integrity of uh, the hobby and of hobby content creation is total transparency, total disclosure about what we own um, when we're giving our opinions on stuff. And it's, it's, it's impossible to do it at every step of the way, right? Like (laughs) that's not realistic. That's not feasible, but uh, at every opportunity we can to be completely transparent uh, is is huge. Uh, and so I, I just want to like take a sober moment to advocate that. And then the other thing I want to advocate for is, um, you know, uh, let us always be humble in our uh, discussions and analysis and forecasting and everything else, discussions about the hobby. Um I can speak for myself, but I think if I speak for many others, uh, we are very fortunate beneficiaries of having come into the hobby before it experienced a huge boom um, the last year. And but but there were like smaller booms that were happening in 2016, 17, 18, and 19 as well. Um, you know, and just to always be grateful that we have this great hobby and that it's bigger than any one of us. Um, and that it's just this great reprieve. It's this great escape from life. Um, and just let us always be humble. That's, that's a lesson that I tell myself all the time when I'm on social media and stuff and just like posting things, thinking things is just like, just, you know, be grateful. That's, that's the lesson I give myself. So those are some pensive parting thoughts, uh, from me as, as we kind of reflect on the state of the hobby right now, 
November 7, uh, November 7, 2020. Yeah. Well said, man. And you know, I'm going to quote one of my favorite content creators who, um, I think says it just so it's simple and it's eloquent. Um, Chris McGill has said before that cards make my life better. And <laughs> that's really something that I think we, it ties into what you were just saying, Chris McGill, that, uh, you know, let's be humble. Let's be thankful. We have the hobby. Let's be thankful. We have each other. Um, we have all the content. We have all the, we have, we have the content creators. We have the viewers. We have the people that are active in the chats, in the, in the, in the, uh, live streams. We have the people that are active in the comments on the preloaded YouTube videos. We have the people that are active on Instagram when you do a post and they make comments. And when the, when the poster then replies to those comments or even likes those comments, private messages. I get a ton of private messages from people that I don't really know, but they know me and that that's cool. And it's like, I make a habit. I, I try, I, cause I don't want to say this. There's been a few that I probably, you know, they, they just get down on the list and you just kind of don't get to them. And I feel terrible about that and apologize, but I don't take any of it for granted that people want to want to know my opinion or ask, what do you think of this card? Where, how should I come into hockey? You know, um, it's just, it, it's the community is, is probably my favorite part of it all. When, when you say, Chris, the cards make my life better, the community, if you're not just talking about, a, you know, that two and a half by three and a half inch piece of cardboard, you're talking about the time you're spending, the time you're spending creating content, the time you're spending on your business, the time you're spending, you know, just on Instagram. And I know you spend a lot of time on Instagram, you know, all of it. It's, it's, it's made the hobby so much more than just a collecting uh, pursuit. It's made it a full, a lifestyle. It's almost like we have to, I'm, 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 I'm actually going to propose this. It's almost like we have to stop referring to it as the hobby. Let's start referring to it as the lifestyle because I know if you're like me and like Chris, and I'm sure many of you out there are, you spend most of your waking hours thinking about cards, even when you're doing other things, working, spending time with your family. They're always there in the back of your mind. That 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 smartphone with the eBay app and the Instagram app and the YouTube app and the all those apps, they're always there ready for you. They're 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 ready for you when you want them. And uh we're fortunate to have so much technology and so many great people in the hobby sharing this. A lifestyle with us yeah well said, okay. bro. yeah thank you man so we have a few more comments that have straggled through uh we're we're in overtime which means we've hit the two hour mark so i throw that up there um <laughs> which might be new to you i don't know if you if you've uh stuck around to the end of an episode lately but uh, that comes out now so i'm going to run through a few of these carlos loves to poke fun at me says the gretzky rookie car tattoo that thought process explains pretty much everything well if you guys don't know how into cards I am, uh, that just might uh, might give you more uh, affirmation of that. Goes on to say, Chris is completely correct. On a similarly serious note, I must confess, I do not own a single 1988 Donruss Greg Jeffries. My hobby life is a lie. I will let myself out. <laughs> Goodbye, Carlos. <laughs> Next flow. I agree. Cards keep people out of trouble. Gives you something fun to do instead of something stupid. Right. You know, it's true. It keeps you out of trouble. That's it. You know, I remember when I was young, I'd come, I'd have to come home from the card shop. Literally when I was in grade school, Chris, I'd take the bus to the LCS. I'm talking the mid eighties and I'd, I'd have to sneak cards into my house. So my mother wouldn't know what I spent my money on. <laughs> like, Whoa, I was making the best investments. Anyone that you knew was making back yeah. back then. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. 
But uh, yeah, we could be doing a lot of other things with our money than buying cards for sure. Dex says, my PC collection can probably come close to buying a cheap house by now. Yeah, and congratulations to you. You know, cards are are legitimate assets. They really, really are. <laughs> Ziggy says, not me, barely spend any time in the hobby. I call BS on that, Ziggy. I know you're very active in the hobby. Rodman says, what goes around comes around. We all have to strive to make the hobby a better place for all involved. He goes on to say, I knew this episode would get into overtime. You know, we do have one of the greatest articulators. And I use that 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 word articulators very deliberately when it comes to Chris, because a lot of us can talk. A lot of people can talk, but few articulate. Chris, you know, the law, the fact you you've been through law school, it really does shine in the word your chosen words, the way you deliver your messages. I love listening to listening to you deliver your thoughts. You're very good at it. Chris Noel says, lifestyle, so funny, so true. When I was eight and did errands with my mom and she would stop and look at the earrings in the mall, I would always ask, is this like cards to you? That's hilarious. <laughs> that's great, Chris. Yeah. yeah. That is, that, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. And we're at the end of the comments again. That's great, guys. So, <clears throat> all right, man, listen. We're at two hours, seven minutes. We're at the end of the comments. We got to one, two, we got to two, maybe three bullets on my seven bullet point list that we wanted to talk about tonight, which means we're going to have to do this again. Right. I, so I believe will, that it's definitely in order. We will have to do this again. We'll schedule another one for a couple months down the road or so. We'll get you back and uh, I'll keep this uh, the, this list of notes and we'll hammer out the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the items if we can. I'm sure there'll be new things to talk about. Uh, Dex jumps in quickly, says grading has completely changed the hobby. You see it happening in toys and video games right now. Also, some are going for big money, no doubt. And if you want more information on that, check out Dustin's channel, The Personal Finance Dad. He talks a lot about other types of collectibles, mostly cards, but he does touch on other collectibles as well. The Personal Finance Dad. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. He just hit 4,000 subscribers and I'm sitting here at a paltry 1,400. Actually, I'm very proud of that, I, I must say. It's tough when your videos are two hours long on average to really get that subscribership up. So that's why I, I really appreciate every one of you who has subscribed. Even if you don't watch them all, you can pick and choose the ones that you do like. And I greatly appreciate that. Okay, Matt, I don't have an after hours episode scheduled. I may come back on in about 20 minutes by myself. If anyone out there watching right now wants to join me for about an hour more of hobby talk, I'm willing to do it. If you are, either put a message up there right now or message me on Instagram. I'll throw up my Instagram handle right now. It is at Jaylee underscore sports cards live. Send me a message. And if I don't hear from anybody, I, again, I may or may not come back in 20 minutes. Uh, it just depends what happens after I go uh, do a few things that I got to do after the show, like hit the bathroom. So anyway, Chris, I want to thank you for your time, your insights, your perspectives, your your you know, the, the knowledge you have based on the data that you are privy to really, man, like that, it, it, it's really great stuff. So thanks for coming on, on short notice. Again, I, I greatly appreciate it. Love what you're doing in the hobby, man. Keep it up. I love what you're doing at card ladder. I love that your data, that your data set is curated to weed out the, the data, the data points that are not worthy of true data. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on. A lot of people try and manipulate the hobby behind the scenes and to have someone like you out there, and you know, I'm even going to go as far as saying, if you get it wrong once in a while, if you let the odd one slip through, or you omit one that maybe shouldn't have got, that shouldn't have been omitted, it's going to happen. 
And that's okay. Don't let that slow you down because what you're doing is an amazing service to the hobby. And I mean, let's face it, you got card ladder is you have a free version, you have a paid version and it's worth the money. If you just think about the hours you're putting in, Chris, you and the research team and, and Josh, the coder who created this thing, it seems like out of thin air, the time that you guys have put into this thing, it's worth money. And the, the curated data set, I think, is something that is unique to you guys. There's other tools out there, other great tools, I'm sure. Great, other wonderful, useful tools. But I don't know of any other one that is curating the data. And to me, that's the competitive advantage and the thing that you guys can't let go of. So wonderful, wonderful job. Before I let Thank you go, we're going to run through the final comments. And then I am going to let you go, man. I promise you. Uh, Paul Cashman, when Chris comes back, we can discuss Bulbul's emergence as a dominant force. Legion, one of my favorite uh, long-term viewers, six hands clapping. I'll take it, Legion. I'll take six hands clapping. That's a that's a wonderful round of applause. Dave Jones, great show as always. Thanks to you both. Thank you, Dave, for tuning in. Hockey Hockey 99, thank you for tuning in. Carlos, what kind of deranged individual would talk about hobby post-midnight? Carlos, you would. Guys, check out the Defense and Carlos YouTube channel. Foul Five Ball, thank you for joining. We'll be here if you come back. I appreciate that. Good to know. Chris Noel, great job. See you soon. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for tuning in. Peter Chow, I'd love to hear Jeremy for After Hours about your PSA process and expectations. All right, Peter, we can do it. Chris, we all in Card Church right now. Hallelujah. Great show again. Thank you, Paul. Much appreciated, guys. We are going to let Chris get back to work. He has data to curate, research to be done, card ladders, data set to build out and grow and we should all be thankful for that so chris thank you again for joining me thank you for having me bro you are more than welcome guys i'm gonna throw up chris's uh right there you can follow him on instagram at chris underscore hoj i'm guessing most of you already do cardladder.com and on youtube house of jordans and i'll also mention cardboard chronicles for his partner josh johnson who does uh the coding at cardladder Check out his YouTube channel as well. It's another one of my inspirations from the beginning of time, Cardboard Chronicles. All right, guys. Foul five ball. Amen. There you go. All right. Chris, wait there for one second. Everybody else, good night. If you're going to come back, I will most likely be back in about 18 minutes. So thanks, everyone, for viewing. This has been a lot of fun. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.